and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. All righty, everyone. We are here. It is the season two finale. Can you believe we're already here? Where did the no, t- <laughs> it feels like we should have episodes left to do. Where did I mean, the we time do. go? We have season three. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> technically we have them, but we don't have them have them. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe we're here. No, me neither. It's It feels like <laughs> that bu- that song from the Buffy musical, Where Do We Go? Right. Oh, <laughs> also, yeah, side note, where is our brother led musical episode? What yeah, the hell? Yeah, yeah. Is that Come Revolution on. Part Two? It's like a musical. Yeah, I need hope. Taylor with a guitar. Yeah, thank you very much. Or just resolve everything with a music episode. Perfect. Perfect. It makes sense to me. But yeah, this episode is like truly, it's like the best of times and the worst of times. That is this episode. Did you just get Dickens on me? I did. Is it not okay. the truth? It's the truth. It hurts. It, it does. It hurts good. <sighs> Yes, this is like the torture episode for the audience. Yeah. Yeah. And so with with that, we're going to do something weird. And we're going to start right now with what was Isadora doing off screen? Because (laughs) before we even get in this episode, what was she doing? The first time I watched this episode, I died. And Isadora brought me back from the afterlife so I could do this podcast. Because this episode is just the best and the worst. And it just kills you. Mm. So thanks, Isadora. Oh, Isadora. <laughs> Bring me back from the afterlife. She's a miracle worker. She's a miracle worker. Exactly. So everyone, thank you, Isadora. Yes. Thanks, Isadora, for not making me do this episode alone. <laughs> no one should watch this episode alone. It's too much. <laughs> or talk about it. It is too much. It's so much. Uh, yes. And who do we have to blame? But Elliot Uh, (laughs) and Brian Stubler. (laughs) It's the dream team for just killing the audience. Elliot and Brian wrote it, and then Amanda directed it. So it's the dream team. I love you guys, but fuck you. Yeah, so fuck all of you, but also (laughs) thank you. You had to create Isadora so she could revive the audience (laughs) after you slayed (laughs) us. I think Isadora could revive the entire audience without touching everyone, obviously. Yes. I'm sure she does it unconsciously all the time. She doesn't even know what's going mm-hmm. on. But uh, yeah, yeah thank you for Revolution, comma, part one. Rude title for a season finale. Thank you! <laughs> no, I was like, wait a minute! Right. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, what? Are there 11 episodes, maybe? No, there isn't. They're like, no, this is it. Part one. And I hate it here. Oh, but it was worse <laughs> If you remembered, dear audience, it was worse watching this because we didn't know if there was going to be a season three. Yes! <laughs> made it worse. I was like, you did not do that to us! I was like, how dare you? How dare you, sir? Because if you're naming it part one, I'm like, well, there's obviously going to be a giant fucking cliffhanger and nothing will get resolved. And what if it ends? What if? What if? Isadora No one could have revived me. Right! Oh my god! Yes! <laughs> yes, Isadora could not have brought us back from the afterlife if they're just like, and that's the end, guys. <laughs> we would be like, no. We would have to. Sp- I would bypass the mycelium, collect nothing, and just be in the ground for the rest of eternity. Yeah, 
So thanks, guys. But we're not there. There will be a season three. There will be more episodes. There will be a revolution, comma, part two. Someday. (laughs) Someday. Someday. It has been filmed at this point, but we don't know when it will be live. But when it does, you will hear us screaming from around the globe. Yes. Yes. And you'll actually get to hear us scream like the first time we watch it, not us rewatching them. Oh my God. There's going to be so much screaming. (laughs) We need to figure out how we're going to do this later, but (laughs) it's going to be interesting. Editing's going to be fun it's, for you. Right. It's just going to be, wow, there, another scream I have to delete. Another scream. Wow, we scream a lot, Jesus. <laughs> Lesbian Jesus. <laughs> hydrate yourself. Hydrate. hydrate for yourselves for the editing that I'm going to have to do with those episodes <laughs> to save your yes. ears. Please send Theora your thoughts and prayers. <laughs> thoughts and prayers. Uh, all right. Well, that's what we all have to look forward to. But this episode is awesome. Let's get into it. So the opening scene is the, it kind of picks up pretty soon after where the last episode left off with like the witch plague being released and like everybody running all over the place. So it starts with like the Sekhmet coven regrouping and Adil, I guess Adil's there. And they're in the woods off on the outskirts of like Fort Salem and like kind of where all the chaos is happening. And M is basically like leading the coven and uh is on the ground tending to a fallen witch that was killed by the Camarilla and it wasn't through the witch plague her vocal cords were removed so like the Camarilla has two things going on they have the witch plague that's wreaking havoc and just killing witches and then they're like harvesting vocal cords like in the background so they're capitalizing on the chaos and after M does like closes the witch's eyes and like probably does like a little silent like fallen for the dead thing they order the coven to head to the operations building where they're hoping the witches on base that are like left leading everything are strategizing on like how to handle this attack. So like instead of being sitting ducks, they can fight back. And so M's like, all right, guys, let's go. We're going, we're going to the operations building and they start marching along the grounds and they march past this um, building and they kind of pause to stop and and like we can see inside the building like the lights are on there's like obviously like confusion and fighting happening and we can hear like things shattering and witches doing wind strikes and everyone's like what the fuck is going on and rael puts it together that like wow like the witches are losing control of their vocal cords so they can't fight back hence all the shattering and like crap that was happening in there and then we get a closer look at the building and out from the big window, like on the second floor, this massive black witch plague like slithers out of the window and like onto the ground. And this thing is like humongous. It's massive. And so it's like, it's basically like they took care, the witch plague got whatever witches were in that building. And now it's like on the hunt for more witches essentially. And Rael rightfully panics because that's terrifying as a witch who's standing. And also, ew. <laughs> yeah, it's gross. Fuck this thing. So it's just, let's get out of here is the right call for so many reasons. And she's like, we got to go back where we came. Fuck the operations building. Like, we're going to die. And to make it worse, as this, like, witch plague is, like, dripping down on the side of the building from this window, Albin just walks right through it, unharmed and not proud of himself because it's not going to hurt, you know, a civilian. And that's his baby, his feisty bugger or whatever. 
And his face emerging from the witch plague triggers Abigail immediately. And she's like, fuck this. I'm not running. I'm going to claim my vengeance right here and now. And she starts stalking towards him. But like Rael stops her before she can like take two steps. And she rightfully reasons, look, Abigail, I get your piss. And who wouldn't want to make harm to this man? Like, look at him. But we can't fight anywhere near that witch plague without dying. And you know that that would be suicide. And Albin doesn't need to hear this conversation, but like he knows what's going on. And he's like smug about it. He's like, yeah, I know you can't touch me. I got my witch plague, baby. And he recedes back into the wall of the witch plague, like symbolizing I am untouchable because I have the upper hand. And the tendrils of the witch plague cover him up and then they start slithering closer and closer to the coven. So it's got their scent and it's like coming after them, basically. And they slowly as a collective start back up. They back up away and it just like cuts to the opening credits so that we, the audience, can catch our breaths and go grab our box of tissues because Elliot and Brian are about to do us dirty with this episode. It's going to be sad. Yep. Um, I have one more comment. Go. The, the, the dripping witch plague from the building reminded me, like, all I could think during this scene bef- is nacho cheese from hell. <laughs> like falling out of a window. <laughs> yeah, I'm like somebody's uh, devil nachos. Devil nachos. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the Camarilla go eat after their missions. They go to that bar that Shane and like what's his face are at, and they yeah. get devil nachos and beers. That's what they're, that's what they're doing. That's mm. disgusting. I hate it. It is zombie devil nachos. I'm not here for it. Um, it reminds me. The bad me- thing was. Oh, no, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go. Go, go, go. I was just going to say, I had nachos from Taco Bell before I rewatched this episode. I blame it on that. I mean, is that not devil nachos? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it just doesn't look like this. But, you know. This is not black. It's not black. It reminds me of. It doesn't um, have white men coming out of it. No. Nobody. Listen, that's what makes it the true devil nachos. There's mm-hmm. this smug white dudes. <laughs> coming out of it uh it reminds me of if anyone's ever had like a squid ink pasta before yes that's what it really reminds me of but like this is way worse and creepy as fuck and like squid pasta doesn't try to kill you so i mean you know yeah this is that's what it looks like that's the good zombie spaghetti this is the bad zombie spaghetti this is the bad zombie biscuit like this is the bad place is the bad zombie spaghetti oh god no zombie biscuit for us Mm -mm. you stay away from that shit don't we're all allergic stay away yeah um i'm allergic to off awful bigoted conservative cis white men i was just gonna say that i'm like i'm allergic to zombie spaghetti and white men (laughs) so it tracks yeah i'm allergic to everything in the scene yeah, like that scene can go like fuck itself. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go into anaphylactic shock yeah. from that scene. <laughs> Where's Isadora? <laughs> Isadora, do you have an EpiPen? Wait, we need a necro. <laughs> no fixer. Fixers can't save us. We need a necro. We're already dead. <laughs> only, there's only one necro I want. Isadora. Actually, no. no. <laughs> Scylla's not on Fort Salem right now. <laughs> she can't save you. I know, <laughs> but still. All right. Um, anyway. So, <laughs> from that insanity in my head, we're going to go to General Bellwether. Mm-hmm. So, we open with a top shot of uh, my favorite, Magda, outlining positions on a map 
while somebody listens to her. I have no idea what they're talking about, but it looks official and cool. And like every other, and like every World War II movie I've ever seen where people are planning things. Yeah, that's what it is. They're just <laughs> pointing at maps and saying, they're doing, they're doing yeah. whatever it is. Army stuff, exactly. army stuff. Exactly. Army stuff, army stuff. So <laughs> we pan out to the wider view. This was the room where that warding circle was. Yeah, in the Necrolab, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. It also kind of reminds me of the classroom, Magda's classroom. It does. It's just like that room wasn't bathed in green light and this one is, but like they do look similar. You're right. They, yeah, yeah. And the office behind it is what made me like. Yeah. Think of that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. anyway, wherever we are, are they um, <laughs> assuming they're just reusing sets because they yeah. need to? And dressing them differently. Yeah, we're like, but, this one um, is green. It's different. <laughs> yeah. Totes <laughs> different. Use your imagination. Yeah. So <clears throat> this is when we first get to see Isadora looking all um, official. and. Oh, my God. She looks hot in this scene. Like, it, I'm kind of into Isadora in this scene. It's combat Isadora. Give it up for combat, combat Isadora. Is, combat combat Isadora. Isadora. With her scourge mm. at the hip. I know. I know. <laughs> This is why I died so many times during this episode. Yes, it's hot in here. Is it not hot in here? Woo! It gets hotter as the as the uh-huh. scene goes on. It does. But thanks, Isadora. I, I I guess we have we just have a thing for for women in combat like situations because everybody's all business because we got Anacostia. We do. We yeah. got. Oof. Then Petra comes in. So Anacostia mm. is giving Petra a report. The witch plague is contained to isolated sectors, but it's spreading. Uh, we have multiple reports of strike teams harvesting vocal cords, which we saw one of those unfortunate victims earlier. And communication is spotty because of the Camarilla's dampening devices. So all of these things are not good for the witches. No. Oh, so Petra says, we need to go on the offensive. We need small groups, stick to the shadows, pick your targets wisely, and let's take back our base, which sounds great. It does. Very raw, <laughs> raw army. Raw, raw army. Uh, and then Alder steps forward to ask how she and the biddies can help. And Petra tells her to go to officer's housing with Anacostia and round up everyone they can. Um, and there's a moment, Petra and Sarah have a moment here where Petra thanks the general and they just kind of like acknowledge the that Sarah is respecting Petra's power and doing uh, going into a role where she's helping rather than commanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. It just goes to show you like Alder's like while she was in charge for so long, she's like, I get it. I respect the chain of command. I want to help the army that was always my intention so exactly yeah so she shows her humility and her humanity yeah and i love it i'm down um yeah sarah um sarah makes a or alder makes a point to call petra general yeah and just like makes that point twice i think she says it twice i think you're right so Nikta gets brought in and everybody Ooh. in the room gets Ooh. even hotter. Oh, God. I'm not going to lie. I was losing my shit for like 90% of this episode. And it started here. It started, started like, okay. She's like, uh, Theora's over there passing out with the sapphic vapors Ooh, going it's on. It's Nikta and, and Petra. Oh, God. Yeah. So Nikta gets brought in and Hot. Petra 
<laughs> Petra's like, you're coming with us. Um, and then like, there's this poor aide that comes <laughs> falling into the room, clutching her throat. And she just like falls like on the ground <laughs> and the Camarilla guys come in behind her. And so they're like, oh shit. And Nick is like, at least give me a scourge so I can, you know, take some of these people out. <laughs> Because she still has her silencing collar on. Mm, yes. Yes, she does. So she does. So the other witches in the room start to fight the Camarilla dudes and they pretty much get taken down. But uh, that's when Nicta steps forward and grabs the scourge of one of the fallen witches. And they, you know, the, everything kind of stops for a second. And you know that shit's about to go down. And of course, that's when they change the scene. For homophobia. Yeah. They're like, but they're about to like tag team. So kick some Camry ass, which is fucking awesome. And I'm here for it. Badass. It's super badass. And I think it's really cool. A lot of the scene because to go back to like the Alder thing, I think it's really so significant that she's acknowledged like in this moment, she's like, I'm acknowledging you Petra as the leader in front of other people. So like that would help mm-hmm. the troops rally around Petra during this crisis. Exactly. So it, it only helps the situation. And then here Petra has the, um, I can't think of the right word, but basically like she in this split second moment where like they're about to battle is like Nikta, whatever the fuck you did, whatever, fuck it. Like, Help us fight. It's just like help, like help, just help. It's fine, whatever. We can deal with our bullshit later because I was ready to kill you like five minutes ago. But now it's like cool, whatever. Help us fight. It's just like it. How very quickly, like in this situation when it's like okay, it's them against us. All of us includes Nekta. Let's all fight together. Like it's really cool the way that happened so quickly. It really is. Like they're just like okay, which is unite. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Perfectly said. Yeah, I think a lot of scenes in this episode. I'll point point out the point that point out the ones that I'm doing like a lot of this is just like let's unite it's like the conclusion of the scene in a a lot of the scenes yeah so it's bigger picture stuff here that's happening yeah like it's obvious that in order to defeat these people you can't like they can't be fighting each other anymore this is about how I mean it like some I think some people had some issues with how quickly Petra jumped on board with like Nikta. Uh, I don't and I don't think she trusts Nikta. I no, think definitely. That she sees <laughs> no. she sees the writing on the wall yes. about how Nikta is a witch and Nikta's goal has always been to get, you know, to do things for the witch community, whether it you know, and their goals align now. So obviously Correct. she's gonna fight with them. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it took the boogeyman being real to unite them. That's what it took. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like desperate times, basically. And it's like, well, the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. That's what happened in this scene. So it's not like out of character for Petra to do this. I feel like that's where people had an issue, but it's really not. She's like, strategy wise, there's two witches now who can both fight against whatever's about to come through that door. I'm not stupid. Like, just help me fight. Sure. Here, she left the silencing collar on Nikta. She didn't take it off yet. She's like, let me see if I can trust you. I still have my magic. You don't. Here's a scourge. So. And she actually said, this is not a reprieve. Yeah, exactly. She's like, I'm still mad at you. <laughs> but here, take this weapon. And mm-hmm. Help me kill, this, kill some bitches. Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense. It's not, she's not just like, yeah, you're free. I like to go. Uh, no, Petra's doing this slowly. Like, 
testing Nikta in this moment. It's kind of like a little test. Yeah. Yeah. So there you are. <sighs> so good. So while Petra and Nikta are about to like tag team, meanwhile, on the grounds of Fort Salem, M is still leading the Sekhmet Coven towards the operations building. So they escape the Witch Plague and they're still trying to get to their destination. And along the way, they spot a group of Camarilla goons in an alley harvesting vocal cords of some poor witches. And they kind of stay concealed around the building while they kind of figure out what to do. And Abigail and M immediately are like, they're out for blood, fuck hiding. Let's let's kill some bitches. And M starts strategizing and like barking out orders of like what everybody should do. And while that's happening, Tally's supervision kicks in. And she notices the exact frequency of the Camarilla work that's dampening the witch's work. And she takes it upon herself to try something out. And before anyone can stop her, she steps into the alleyway and shouts, Hey, Camarilla! <laughs> Best line of the episode! I know. And she gets shit for it later, rightfully so. And the goons are like, why the fuck would anyone say that? And they slowly look at her like, what? what is this girl doing? What is this what is person? This? What, what is you? And Tally starts, <laughs> starts singing this high-pitched tone that eventually disables the interference work from the Camarilla, like, breastplate devices. And she targets the guy that's closest to her. After she's able to disable it, it allows her to windstrike him across the alley, so it restores her work. And Tally's like, holy fuck, I can't believe that just worked. This is awesome. I've cracked the code. And then orders the coven to match this tone and basically they all do what she just did to the rest of the goons in the alleyway together by doing this they are able to take out the rest of the goons successfully so now the witches have a way to fight back using their goddess-given work which is wonderful yes when it's over abigail then appropriately gives tally shit for that line hey cabria like what the fuck was that girl and Tally's like, it's all I could think of. <laughs> Tally's not good under pressure. <laughs> no. Or the witty comeback anyway. one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's not the wordsmith. Rael would have been better. She would have said some sassy yeah. shit. And Abigail just would have said, fuck you. So that's where we're at. Yep. Well, um, <laughs> it's like, guys. It's so Tally, that I one. I don't know. It's so tally, and I love it, and I love her face when she does it. Yes. Also, another scene where Tally's sight is invaluable, and she actually figures out... I mean, like, this is huge, because these devices are a big thing that's preventing them from, from really fighting on any kind of... Getting any advantage, I should say. Yeah, it takes away their advantage. And it, it equals the playing field because mm -hmm. the witches don't have a way to dampen the bastardized work without, like, removing the vocal cords. Dampening their own. Yeah, exactly. Without, yeah. Yeah. So it does that. And it also, you know, call back to Tally's name. Clarity is basically what it means. She had the clarity in the moment of crisis to, like, solve this impossible task and did it and executed it well. And it literally changed the, the tide of the battle. If I was in an escape room, I'd want Tally on my team. Yes. That would be unfair to have Tally on the team. Because Tally's like, mm -hmm. it's there! <laughs> <laughs> the people in the room monitoring are like, god damn it, fuck this bitch. She keeps ruining all her things. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta design this thing again? You're banned. <laughs> anyway. So, 
while Abigail's like annoyed, like chastising Tally about her word choices, Rael takes the brain cell from everybody and is like, listen, we need to tell as many people as possible about this because it literally changes everything like we were just discussing. So afterwards, they're like, great, let's spread the word. M takes Gregorio to go spread this message and leaves the unit and Adele to keep making their way to the operations building. But before they part ways, a bunch of het stuff happens. Gregorio yeah. and <laughs> Gregorio and Tally semi reenact Rael and Scylla in the woods from <laughs> the prior episode. No, listen, it's the same because it's be safe, you too, forearm touching, eye contact. There's no making out, but it's basically that scene. Are you fanning yourself? It is not hot in here. This is the opposite. No, it's not hot. I'm just like I'm. I'm laughing too hard. Isadora. <laughs> Comparing those two, it just... <laughs> is it not the same scene? It's PC. You too. Eye contact. It is, but without the chemistry. Yes, without the chemistry. Exactly. <laughs> Elliot, dear, you're missing the main point of why that other scene works so well. <laughs> this one does not. <laughs> but we're not done with the head stuff. So after they pull a Rayla, then Adil makes out, <laughs> liter- makes out with Abigail out of nowhere. <laughs> out of nowhere we have to fill our het quota yeah it's like (laughs) fuck uh this was too gay so hets do stuff so they make out i guess to meet the quota and then when that's over abigail tells him to go find kalita and like when i was watching this i was like i was wondering what the fuck was happening with kalita and why has no one mentioned her (laughs) up until now so good on you wait for it this is my this is my time. Oh, oh. Since you said that. Yes. Go. Go, go, go. What was Kalita doing off screen? Yes. Oh, yes. What was she doing? Tell us. Okay, listen. I'm <clears throat> so you know how Libba has a shrine oh, yeah. uh, to Abigail? <laughs> I love that you're bringing this up. Yes, I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Well, Kalita has an anti-shrine. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes <laughs> she burns it down by the end of the episode i sure but so it's in that little room that she stays in and medi- like she just sits in front of it and meditates about how she's gonna steal her brother back from abigail yeah she's trying to break them up and ma- try to manifest it with this anti-shrine yes, yes she's manifesting it with her abigail anti-shrine thank god she chills she chills out by the end of the episode oh but God, you know so that is what she's doing off screen. You are 100% correct. She also has a mini anti-Alder shrine next to that. And she's like... Oh, absolutely. And by the end of this episode, she's like, well, that worked too well. Yeah. yeah. She kills a plant every time she thinks Alder's, you know... She goes into Alder's witch garden and kills one of her plants yeah, as the sacrifice. Every time. As the sacrifice <laughs> to manifest Alder's demise yes, or whatever. I love it. That is so what Kalita is doing off screen. I love it. Because she has a petty streak, obviously. She does. No, it's her inner child or like, and by Uh that I mean her actual age coming out because she's like 12. Thank you. This is okay behavior for her. I was going to do it later, but since she said that. No, here's where it's at. That's what's happening. Kalita's tending the shrine and they're like, oh, fuck, where is she? Let's go save her. But she's totally fine manifesting the end of Abigail and Adil's relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. She's like setting roses on fire, um, you know, basically cutting up pictures of them. <laughs> Who took the picture? 
pictures. Why are there pictures of them? She took them. She took the pictures <laughs> clandestinely because you know it's true. With the technology of the time, they're using those Polaroids. Cha-ching! And then it comes out the end and she shakes it, waits for it to, and then she takes it to the shrine, the anti-shrine, I should say, takes a pair of scissors and cuts it in half. Uh, drops it on her And then candles. burns the abbey yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's what's happening. She's a, oh, Kalita. I love it. That is what she's doing off screen. That, that's canon now. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, apart from that, we're gonna we're gonna follow Anacostia and Alder and the biddies in into the officers' quarters, and they're just basically standing over a dead witch in her bed with her vocal cords removed. And then we start to see they walk out into the hall. There are dead witches everywhere. Uh, it's terrible, and I hate it. Yes. I don't like this. Is dumb. It reminds again. I'm going to reference Buffy because it reminds me of the scene from the episode Hush, where the creepy yes. dudes are going from room to room in the dorm. Oh my god! I didn't even put that together. You're right. Hush vibes. Oh, that's such a great episode. But it is such a great episode. Uh, hold, there's one thing I do want to say about this this uh, okay, go this it. particular shot when they're in the hallway. So yeah, Buffy vibes. I agree. I love the colors here too, because it, it adds mm-hmm. to the creepiness. Because when they're in this hallway, like it's so everything is so bathed in blue, except mm-hmm. at the far end of the hallway, there's red, like red light, and it's almost like this contrast of like ice and fire, like contrasting power mm. kind of vibes, like war right. and death, like the blue and the red. And so I love that. And then the when the Camarilla come in, like they come from the red, so it's like. This like these contrasting big titan powers is what they're showing with this light. So I do love that. I love the way they light this hallway scene in particular. It's awesome. That's that's awesome. I did not notice the red. I'm really happy you pointed that out because it makes sense why it's creepier now. Yeah, no, it's like I nor- normally it's like pretty muted when they do that with the lights. Like at least when it's like blue, it's usually very deep blue. And then the other light that's opposing is muted. But here they're both like very saturated so it's this very big contrast with the colors if you didn't notice it go back and look at this hallway scene it's really powerful the way they lit it i'm gonna do that later yeah that's um, awesome as theora said a camaria unit walks out out <coughs> into the hallway spoiler sorry and his <laughs> and anacostia is like what do we do <laughs> <laughs> girl kill those bitches <laughs> let's all there's like we fight yeah. till our very last breath which was the war cry of, like, the American Revolution. Like, it gave me that, those, like, Braveheart vibes, like, the kind of line you would give. (laughs) I needed her painted in blue woad and, like... Yeah, right? That's Hence the blue light, yeah. It's Braveheart. So... (laughs) But better. They get out their scourges, and they kind of back away, back into a room. But if you pay attention to this room they backed in, it's actually a series of connected rooms... Mm -hmm. And this is where the um, director really does a great job and smacks you in the face with this awesome fight scene. Yes. Going from room to room. But you, as the viewer, are out in the hallway seeing through the windows and missing little parts of it where there are solid wall in your way. So you're seeing these... You're going back and forth between being like you're in the hallway and you're seeing this fight 
this fight happened from far away and through glass or and wood and then you're seeing you know this fight happen right in the middle of it <clears throat> and basically basically what's going down is alder is kind of whipping the shit out of some camaria dudes because she can fight like nobody's business yes it's super hot yes go Ooh. Anacosti is beating the shit out of some Camarilla guys. Hot. Also hot. <laughs> Go get it. But unfortunately, no. one of these dudes has no. one of those. If you recall back to the episode where Rhea was kidnapped, they had those darts that made them pass out. Well, apparently they have put witch plague in those now. Yep. So one of the biddies gets hit with a witch plague dart. And that witch plague spreads like crazy. It takes over that biddy. It takes over all the other biddies. And so they end up, Anacostia ends up pulling Alder into another room, closing the door and drawing a sigil on it, which makes the paint flake off with whatever power she's used. I don't know if it's yeah. supposed to just lock the door or keep make the door stronger or we don't know what it is but but that's different yeah it's different we haven't seen that before mm -hmm. so interesting um but i also want to point out that one of the biddies the last biddy to go down looks back at alder and anacostia and just nods like it's okay i think she says go like she actually does she yeah it's the first time that biddy ever speaks and she says go like to Alder. Ah, yeah, I know. It hurts even worse. <laughs> yeah. God damn it, I could have gone my life without knowing I'm that. I'm so sorry. Isadora. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, anyway, it hurts. So it hurts. the biddies sacrifice themselves, yeah. and then we get Anacostia with tears streaming down her face. Oh Demetri is trying to kill me now. Dude, so much crying from her this episode. Oh, oh my Lord. God. I can't with with her crying. When know. I see Demetria cry, it it's the worst. It is like, the worst. all my feelings. Because you never see Anacostia break, break down like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it hurts the worst watching her cry. For sure. And it's, like, not just, like, a tear. It's, like, sobbing. It's sobbing. Yeah. She sobs in this episode, oh, and I'm I'm not here for. I want to hug her and also like beat the shit out of everyone that's ever hurt her. I know. So, Anacostia is bawling as Alder ages before her eyes, and she asks Alder what to do. There's a lot of Anacostia asking Alder for direction, and that just sets up the fact that. She's not going to have that mother figure yeah, to give her direction, orders, all of that stuff to be her mom, basically. So she's yeah. going to have to do, you know, she's she's very capable of making her own decisions, obviously. But it's the thing of she's losing her mom yeah, again. And she's yeah. going to feel directionless and vulnerable and like a little lost lost yeah there you go so she's asking for directions yeah and alder just puts her hand on anacostia's face and like passes out 
Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there very well said. That's exactly what's going on. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's she's, yeah. Poor Anacostia. Like, she takes us the hardest. God, she does. It, it's, um, I'm going to mention this. I'm going to start the, start the train on this. But as Alder's aging, she's turning into motherfucking Groot. Yeah, this is Alder Groot. <laughs> Just saying. Listen, I I have a theory about why she's turning into a tree that we'll talk about in our season three spec episode. But yes, this is Groot Alder. Groot Alder is here. and She is here. Whether we like it or not. Listen, it's the elephant in the room. We all need to talk about it. We do. We have to acknowledge it's you cannot look away or deny. No. This is Groot Alder. So I remember the first time I watched this, I was feeling so many feelings because of Anacostia. And then, and then I was like, <laughs> what the fuck right, just happened? Right. And then there's a it, fucking tree in this room. There's a hard turn. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is, what whoa, is whoa, whoa, this? Whoa. So I was pleasantly confused for the next episode, the next uh, scene. That what happened. in the barking hell? Right. <laughs> what in the, which hell is this? But yeah, that definitely happens. I want to say one last thing about this scene. Please do. Personally, aside from like the Alder weirdness, I personally really hate that the biddies are gone. Like I hate it. Um, because I do too. It was honestly when I watched this show for the very first time, the biddies were one of the aspects of the show I loved the most because for like it was one of the first times ever correct me if I'm wrong, where I've seen, well, <laughs> not from my perspective. If you have other perspectives about this, let me know. But it was a, one of the first times for me I've ever seen a group of elderly women just being badasses and being written and depicted as powerful women. That never happens. They're usually just these... No, God, it never happens. Yeah, they're usually just these background people, if anything, or they're like the wise grandma. And like, they don't really have a play and everything. But here's a scene where you have these women over 60 kicking ass like when does that ever happen ever so i loved i mean being heroes yes and they're yeah remember memorial hall with tally like they're considered heroes and they're considered to be like be like very held up high in the society not for being wise or whatever but they're seeing as seen as capable and like fighters and still soldiers so i loved so much that the biddies existed and that there is a diverse group of older actresses who were able to play characters with like kicked ass. Like, when does that ever happen? Like, I respected that choice so, so, so much. And I personally am very upset that the, the biddies are gone because I loved them as a collective. I'm very sad. Yeah. Um, I get narrative-wise why they needed to go, but I was, totally. I'm with you. I'm really super happy about the whole having biddies on, being badasses and being just... Oh, man, I imagine that being an actress of a certain age is difficult to find roles that are in any way, shape or form have meat to them. Yeah, exactly. That's why I found this so revolutionary, like for exactly what you just said. That's why I love the fact that the biddies existed. So it makes me sad that we won't have them around or have like actresses of that age being Mm -hmm. so prominent. Maybe we will. Maybe the, the Dodgers have, like, elderly women who kick ass. Let us hope. But uh, RIP to the Fallen Biddies. Thank you for your service. And thank you to all those actresses who played the Biddies. Like, I loved all of you. You guys are awesome. Yes. Thank you. We actually have little nicknames for all the different Biddies. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So. We love you guys. Ah.
So after that super devastating scene and confusing ending with Tree Alder. We, Good lord. <laughs> we'll come back to that later. We hard cut back to the war room or whatever that room was where Petra and Nikta were like prepared to face off with the Camarilla. And it starts in another super hot way with Petra just snapping some dude's neck, which... Okay. Ha! So, they don't... Snap my neck, Petra. Oh my god. It's like they don't let you breathe. It's just like, oh my god, we're here now. <laughs> What's Nikta doing? Nikta is behind her with the Scourge. Not kicking ass, but just, like, watching, like, all right, girl, you got moves. Awesome. And Petra, like, joins her back in the center of this room and yells at the goons standing by the door, like, what the fuck are you guys waiting for? And one second after she says this, she gets her answer. Because Albin is creeping around the corner and he announces, oh, they're waiting for me. And he struts into the room like he owns the fucking place, flanked by even more goons. So now, like, basically, Nikta and Petra are super outnumbered and Albin's here. And Albin's like, well, you know, I'm here because I wanted to pay my respects before the inevitable. And uh, uh, yes, I'd hate him more if it wasn't Bob playing him. But I know, <laughs> I know. Bob, Fuck you, Bob has made it but impossible. Really. I know. I love you. I love the way he delivers all his lines, to be fair. this It's so dramatic and awesome. Like, good on you, Bob. It's it's amazing. He makes himself oh, theatrical. Yes, theatrical. It's great. <gasps> it's fun. Stop. No. We're, we're linked now because Isadora had to revive us too many times. Mm, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much that's what happened. That's what happened. Thanks, Isadora. After he announces this dramatic, cryptic phrase, Petra's like, whatever, you must be the doctor I heard about so much and fucking hate. And he confirms, yeah, I'm, I'm Albin Hurst. So we get his full name. And he's like, pleased to meet you. And he does this little wave, like the one the Queen of England does when she's in motor carriages, like at the wrist kind of thing. It's like this weird little wave that he does. It's he's a dramatic king is all I'm saying. Yes, he is. Good Lord. Good Lord. Yes. <laughs> Good mm. Lord. That was that was Bob, not Alvin doing that. Mm-hmm. And Petra just wave pisses Petra off. And Nikta is beside her just confused. She doesn't know what the fuck's going on because she's just like learned the Cambria was a thing like a couple minutes ago and that they're alive. And she's like, who's this doctor? Like, what the fuck is going on? Why is he waving? <laughs> so, why is he waving? Why, yeah, what is his wave? I'm the dramatic one. Why is he doing the queen wave? <laughs> yeah, me? why is the queen waving? She's confused. And Albin like sees her and starts addressing Nikta and he thanks her, saying, no one in history, has ever done more to turn the tide of public opinion against witches. But you, Nick Batan, thank you for helping pave the way for the return of the Camarilla, because they were once feared by the masses as this boogeyman, and now, thanks to you and the spree killing civilians and being the new boogeyman, the people are going to open us with open arms when we come out of the shadows. And we're going to be heroes from saving them from the big bad witches. So thanks, bestie. Why don't you just punch Nikta in the face? He basically, That's basically what He that basically is. did. And he made an enemy for life. And now I hate you, Alvin, again, because you hurt Nikta. Mm-hmm. And her face journeys from general confusion to just being shook as fuck. Oh, fuck. Because like you said, like... This is a punch to the gut. Like, this hits her really deep. Because here's a woman who dedicated her entire life to trying to liberate witches and fight the system. The irony of all of that in this moment is that Alvin is shoving that back in her face and saying, hey, without knowing it, you unknowingly played this role 
of bringing the Camarilla back and played right into their hands by the methods you used as the spree. You actually helped the system continue and made it worse and more extreme against witches. So poor Nicta, like in her 30-year quest with the spree trying to seek justice, actually made it worse for them and kind of rein- not reinforced the system, but almost reinforced the system needs to change, but against the witches. So it had like the complete opposite effect of what she was trying to do. The Camarilla just capitalized on what was happening with the Spree because they've been around for hundreds of years. But when the Spree stuff started happening, they were like, hey, we can use this to our advantage, rally more people and shift public opinion to make them more anti-witch. And hence how we got that mother-daughter, not mother-daughter, the not our daughters movement. That was them like manifesting like into the public and make normalizing their agenda, basically. Yep. After devastating Nicta which fuck you, Albin addresses Mama Bellwether, his words. So he's been listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he's like, hey, Mama Bellwether, just FYI. After this, I'm going to be going after Abigail and her little Tareem boo because the union of Earth and Sky must be prevented at all costs. Petra's like, what the fuck does that even mean? And excellent question. Excellent question. Put a pin in this because we're going to be used a bunch about this in our season three speculation stuff. But this Earth and Sky thing is key dialogue, and it's definitely going to be a plot point in season three. Keep it in mind. Yeah, Earth and Sky. And the way he recites it to me, it sounds like this prophecy kind of thing. But we will we will muse on that. Uh-huh. And Albin, true to form, like Bob, is spoiler free. And he's just like, he gives her this face like, I don't know what that means. Guess you're going to have to find out for yourself. Then after that, he about faces and orders the minions in the room to wrap this shit up. And he, as he's leaving, Petra gets this distorted far speech message. And I think it was M's message saying, I think we figured it out, match the tone or something like that. Which, how does Petra even know what the fuck that means? But she does, apparently. And before, like, she gets a smile on her face and then she unlocks Nicta's silencing collar. So thank you. And then Nicta rips it off. And it's the hottest thing in this whole scene. The way she's just like, <laughs> whoo, I'm free. Thank you, Arlen. The yeah. is like in the floor at this point. <laughs> I died so many times. Isadora was busy off screen is all I'm saying. Ugh. Yeah, anyway, the Nicta choices. But anyway, so Nicta does that. And then Petra does what the far speech says. And she disables the breastplates in the of the goons and scourges some bitches. And then Nicta, with a smile on her face, because she's unmuzzled and can do whatever the fuck she wants, uses her magic to get the two. <gasps> I love this. Instead of, like, fighting them the way Petra is, Nicta's like, yeah, I'm going to let you guys do the work for me. And makes the two goons kill each other because she's a fucking queen. Is there something wrong with us because we find women that have other, that have men murder each other hot? No. This, no. This is, it's, but the way she does it, she's like, you're going to kill each other. <laughs> the little smile on her face. I know. I love it so much. Because Petra just like, is like, I'm going to physically, fit, I'm going to hand to hand fight you. And Nick is like, you're going to fight each other. <laughs> like, say, okay. You know? It just shows you who is more clever yes. about 
how they fight. Uh-huh. Yeah. It shows you who the guerrilla war- warrior is and who the, like, standard issue soldier... I mean, not that Petra's not very capable. I'm just saying that Nikta thinks outside the box and you need that. Yeah, I agree. It reminds me of, like, kings and courts or, like, um, in Rome when they had, like, the gladiators in the Colosseum where, like, the, the emperor or whoever would get up there and be like, you two, fight each other. And that's what the, she ordered the goons to do. It's so great. Yeah. yeah. Thinking outside the box. She's like, I could engage or I can just have you do the work for me. Kill each other. I love it. And she never has to do laundry because of blood. Right. No, it's, listen, she's not getting her dramatic robes dirty. That's not who Nick Ditt is. No. no. She's like, you keep that blood over there. I'm going to stand here and look pretty. And she does. She nailed it. Good job. You won the mission, Nick. <sighs> and you got, and, you and in this scene, she like freed herself. It's great. I love it. So after they uh. kick ass and kill all these goons, Nikta, they have a conversation. And Nikta basically announces she's on Team Mama Collar now. And she's like, listen, my fight's no longer against you guys. I'm going to focus on the Camarilla. Like, Willa Collar was right. I, I should have listened to her and ate her mushrooms. So fuck those guys. Why did you have to bring up Willa? <laughs> because I love Willa. Willa should be here. She should be here. And now I'm all sad all over I'm sorry. again. Well, this episode gets sadder. <laughs> I know I'm not I'm, prepared. I know. I'm sorry. That's why we're in this together. <laughs> exactly. I love this dialogue, too, because, I mean, in this in the course of the scene, Nikta essentially proved to Petra, like, hey, like, I can work with you. We're on the same side. Like, Mm -hmm. truly, I'm not I'm not really against you. And Nikta really never was. It was really about the system. And now she's like showing Petra, look, there's we have a bigger problem. We need to work together. So to me, this is symbolizing like not just like Nikta and Petra, the individuals working together, but it's like the spree in the army. So at least they can pave the way of like uniting witchhood. I think that's what's really being communicated with these two characters. There's a bigger picture here. Yes. And I think that a lot of people have... Because we don't have more information, I hope that we do get more information. I think a lot of people have um, nicked a pegged wrong as in how she feels about, like, I, I just don't feel like she has a hatred for individual witches or people. Right. And maybe, like maybe said, Alder she's just, the exception. May, okay, that's I think the that's exception. exception. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, because, like. She partly, they have a personal thing going on, but they have a personal thing. Aside from Alder, agreed. I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. I think her problem is with, like you said, the system. The system. And Alder. Yeah. And Alder. I think that's because it's Alder's her ex and betrayed her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's that. That is the subtext slash the actual text that's happening. I agree. Absolutely. And after they have that conversation where they're like, okay, let's form an uneasy alliance. I assume they go off together to kill more camera goons. And overall, 100 out of 10 for this scene. It has everything in it. <laughs> so good. I love it. I love it. It's a good scene. It's a great scene. So many good scenes in this. Yes. Episode. Um. Oh, and like, I know last episode we had a lot of problem or the past couple of episodes we had a lot of like, why is this scene happening? That, I didn't get that at all. No, in this. every single scene in this episode made fucking sense. And I think what helps yeah. it is that this was essentially like one day. So it's like very like linear the way the time works mm-hmm. in this episode. And they're all kind of like 
in the same situation together. So it like threads the storylines a lot better. But yeah, there is no weird dialogue. There is no weird scenes. It all fits. And that's how you, honestly, no shade to anybody. That's how you know Elliot wrote it, honestly. Mm-hmm. It all, every single thing connects and everything is clearly on purpose. Like, I feel like he definitely had a heavier hand in this episode. The way it was crafted. Love to see it. <sighs> we do. So, after all that ass-kicking and awesomeness, oh, yes. we get back to Kalita, who is kind of done with her altar, her anti-Abigail altar. She hit it. But is still sitting, me- she hit it. She's still sitting meditation style when a Camarilla goon kicks in the door and taunts her about how it's going to be less fun to kill her since she won't fight back. And I'm like, it's a 12-year-old girl. I know that that part that always gets like brushed to the side. This was Tiffany all over again, but worse. It's like these are children, but okay. These are children. You're a horrible like <sighs> being on this earth yeah. and y- y- need to die. Yes, because gross. Anyway, yes, gross. So Adil interrupts all of this and disables the Camarilla devices because he's got the he's got the pitch. Um, Tally is very pitch perfect in this episode. Um, Alternate title. Cue the musical. (laughs) Yeah, this could have been the musical episode. Damn it. You're right. Pitch perfect. Yep. Pitch perfect. Part Uh, one. We could do a crossover. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Except the queer baiting and pitch perfect makes me angry. Yes. Uh, Anyway, so Adele interrupts. And he starts fighting with the Camarilla guys. He's pretty good at this for never having fought in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them slices him with a knife and the goons are about to kill him. And Kalita is at a crossroads watching all of this. They're not going to stop and she's going to have to act. She She's like, uh, step away from him like her authority is going to do anything in this situation, which it doesn't. And then she makes a choice oh and turns one of these she turns one of the Camarilla goons into what looks like volcanic yeah. lava molten that's lava. like yeah. molten lava that's not, it's not like the 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 super red lava at first it's like the the some, somewhat cool lava that breaks into the super red molten interior lava yo that was impressive ma'am it was good, good fucking job. And keep in mind, she's never attacked anyone ever. So like this work was like instinctual what she did. Yes, it's cr- it was spontaneous and instinctual. Yeah, that's what makes this an even cooler scene that she just like was like, oh, shit, my brother. Yeah. And that's what comes out like it's wild. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Like like a dill in the yeah. irrevocable. You're right. Yeah, when he, like, melted their bones what? or whatever he did. Yeah. He's and like, I, I don't know what like, I did. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. And he's like, I didn't know either. I just did what I needed. To, like, I just did what I did. Yeah, so I think what this so. is showing, like, through their actions, I, I love that you brought that up. It show, their, their acts of violence were both spontaneous and, like, ancient. So I think this is, like, this is a clue to us of, like, this is what the Tareem people are actually capable of when they fight. Like, because no one has seen their work in thousands of years. And it's, like, neither. And they don't probably don't know what it is either, really. It's just, like, this is the ancient thing we're not allowed to do. Who knows? They're, like, I don't know I could do this. Like, this is what our people are capable of. So it's really cool we're seeing it, like, in these bursts. It's very exciting. Yeah. 
their power could be so lit like they could literally raise like bury a city in a like a giant yes they can pull a pompeii themselves their earthwork yeah pull a pompeii yeah yeah they don't need like, the vesuvius they could lead us a vesuvius no. They are volcanoes. They are volcanoes. Yeah, no, it's really cool. And I think I, I think it's uh, Elliot's doing this on purpose to give us glimpses about what they could do and like set us up for season three when they're like consciously being more violent, like mm-hmm. how their work will evolve. So it's very exciting. I, I'm excited to see how their work evolves in the next season, big time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also what this has to do with the Earth and Sky Union. Prophecy. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good, guys. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, So we're going to go from uh, Kalita and her decision to the unit who go out onto this, who are on this balcony. Yeah, what the fuck are they? Overlooking. <laughs> what the f- You guys. Why are they? Yeah. I, guess I don't know. They wanted a better view of everyone dying. So yeah. they're on this balcony <laughs> trying to get their bearings, I suppose. Let's and see I love it. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so Tally's using her site and she says that every single pocket of witch plague is connected to the others and they all trace back to a single source and that source is getting closer to them. And then uh, this witch bursts out of the, the fridge doors behind them and she's been affected by witch plague. And that's when Rayelle is like, okay, cool. I'm going to use my witch bomb. And so she witch bombs this witch with the plague and it makes the witch plague recede. And there every, and then everyone's like, oh, cool. Th- that means Rayelle can save everyone. But does it? And, and, then, they're, and then they're like, uh, uh, Rayelle, if you can hit the source with the witch bomb, you know, it's coming right at us. Yeah. We're going to. And we're going to do this. And then all of a sudden, back to that witch that she supposedly, you know, saved. And the witch play comes back worse than ever. It sure, unfortunately, does. <laughs> and she's the the witch who is dying is looking at them and, like, looking around. And she's like, what the fuck do I do? That didn't work. And so she sacrifices herself by jumping off the balcony. And... I have to say something in the middle of all of this dramaticness yes. that's going on. That made me laugh so hard for some reason. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but also like kudos, good on her though for doing that. Having yeah, the cognition, no, absolutely. But it is Sacrifice funny. yourself. You're like, like, what is she this knows. scene? This is wild. They're she on this balcony. Hops, yeah, she, she does. Pops off. over the balcony. She does. <laughs> Bye. Fuck who's below here. You're about to get witch plagued. <laughs> yeah. I mean. But yeah. It was something. It was something. Um, I commend you, Nameless Witch, for sacrificing your life for the good of the unit. She doesn't know that That's unit. Yeah. She doesn't, <laughs> she know, doesn't that know that unit. unit. <laughs> she's, a, she's a fucking, like, she's like, I don't know these people. I still don't want to kill them. Yeah. I'm going to jump off and kill the people below. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's solidarity when you think about But when you think about it, you're like, but was it? If someone was walking below, like, yeah, I escaped that witch plague. And then she, like, falls on them. Like, God damn it. <laughs> it's like. I guess she's like, well, at least this one tried to save me, so. Yeah, the fallen witch <laughs> falled on top of me, and now I am dead. But, yeah. Ugh. It's just, it's one of those scenes that had to happen because Elliot's basically showing us, well, you know, Rail and her mycelium powers could save us, but we're not there yet. We gotta think of something else for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 
So, yes, it is effective against the Witch Plague to a degree. Right. But it doesn't... So quite powerful enough. And I have a theory about all of this. I don't think Rael's using the witch, her witch bomb to its fullest potential. Yes. And I believe she's uh, not by, not by conscious choice, but I believe she's holding back. And that I have, my theory is that she's going to need Scylla to help. Yeah. Pull her power to the fore, like her gr- actual power. Yeah, and I have a feeling Elliot agrees with you because in the after the storm when he talks about this episode, he basically says like, r- like Riel d- ha- doesn't know how to fully control the witch bomb. So I think you're correct. Like I don't think that she's not. I think she's doing the best she can with what she knows how mm-hmm. to do, but she doesn't really mm-hmm. know how to control it because she hasn't had this power for that long. Really, it's not like there's a witch bomb mentor. So, yeah. yeah, I think that, that her power is going to expand next season and potentially with with Scylla, like you mentioned, I'm with you, you know, on that. Yeah. Yeah. The only mentor she had was Isadora and Isadora was busy know. a lot of the time. And Rails, does, she doesn't know. She's doing 95 other things and Rails interrupting her autopsy class. So, yeah. Also, Isadora is jealous and she's like, I don't want to help you be better at this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, the mycelium was mine, bitch. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. So there's that. So obviously she wasn't going to get real lessons from Isadora. And truly no one knows how to control this thing. So like even Isadora, if she yeah. wasn't jealous, she's learning. Everybody's learning about this, you know. In real time. It takes time, and they don't have time at the moment. Yes. Or ever. (laughs) Ever. Wherever. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Can we, like, pause and have a therapy episode where we just have the characters go through therapy sessions? They all need therapy so badly. (laughs) Oh, my Uh, God. Yeah. You know. Yeah, maybe part two of the revolution is just everyone's in therapy. Let us hope. I get. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. But... But anyway. So, uh, the end of that scene is that witch jumping off the balcony and yeah, then the unit being like, oh my god, what the fuck? Let's get off this random balcony, guys. Mm-hmm. So, while they're doing that, meanwhile, in the session, what the fuck are they even doing at the beginning of this scene? <laughs> Quinn? What the fuck are they doing? Al- <laughs> what are they Quinn doing? Quinn is... Um, basically having a Quinn show right. with all the Dodgers. What is this? It's like, okay, to me, it's like, okay, they're like, first of all, having the witch version of like a barn party. Yeah. And there's all these people in the barn having a good time. Like, I assume mostly Dodgers, like Edwin's there, Scylla's there. Well, Edwin's not there yet. Scylla's there. And Quinn's outside, like, stay back, watch this. And she summons a hailstorm from the heavens that, like, pelts down and crushes things in the backyard, which I guess is Edwin's property. And everyone claps and they're like, woo, that was cool. And, like, was this a the witch version of, like, a talent show where they're like, let me show you my cool work. And they, like, go round robin and just, like, it's like a party yes. game for witches. Is that what this is? Because it's so random. <laughs> I, I, was she actually targeting that broken down car? Because all the hail just lands on it. Well, I mean, that's all we see. Maybe that was. Maybe it was she, she was just targeting maybe, the hail. I don't, I don't know. know. Was this a talent show is my question. There's no explanation right, it's, for the witch talent show. It's so random. <laughs> it's so random. But I, I'm, I'm wondering, too, it's not explained if the other reason they're doing this. It's like, Quinn knows what government weather work is because there's a line later about this, but it's super random. And that's how this scene opens. Regardless of why Quinn was doing this, Scylla was super into the party trick. 
And she, so she asks Quinn, hey, when are you, you going to teach me how to do this hail work? And Quinn's like, um, quid pro quo, little witch. I'm going to teach you and you teach me Morgan's Whisper. So they're plotting together, which is awesome. And then the camera pans. I don't think that's going to happen, though. I don't think so either. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Who knows? And then the camera pans to what she says that line. Morgan is joining the party, I guess. He's like in the back squawking yeah. and chilling on a row of string lights. Like, yep, he's here too, digging the talent show. And while they're Love like it. laughing over that and looking at Morgan, Edwin shows up and he interrupts the witch party, announcing that there was attack on Fort Salem and it's all over the news because, of course, he was watching the news. This is Motherland. That's what people do. And Scylla looks super upset for like a hot second because she's her mind obviously goes straight to rail, but she composes herself really quickly and voices the bigger picture out loud, which is the wars here. This is the thing we're obviously plotting against because the camera pans through a group of people like Dodgers pouring over maps because they're strategizing. They're for the war. The war's here. It's we're we're out of time, like you said. There's no time. The time is now. The war's here. And after this line is delivered, Quinn fucks off somewhere, leaving Edwin and Scylla alone. Scylla immediately gushes her feelings about Rael to Edwin, like trying to comfort the two of them, <laughs> saying, She'll be okay. Don't worry about it. She's gonna be okay. Edwin like takes this for a second, like, gives her this very small little broken smile and says, that's what I used to tell myself about Willa. Like, either saying, like, cool, I'm in this position where now my daughter has is walking her mother's footsteps, but also, like, double speaking to Scylla, like, now you know what it's like when your wife's in danger. <laughs> Scylla, get used to it. <laughs> She's gonna stay in the army. The two of them then hug. And I love this hug because Scylla's the one that makes the move to hug Edwin. Which I think is a huge character development thing for her because she is like physically comforting somebody else. Like it's growth for Scylla. I feel like prior to Raelle entering her life, she would have never done this. Like the action is such a testament to her growth and a direct result of Raelle's impact on her. Absolutely. I agree a thousand percent. And this entire, the entire scene between them shows Scylla's character growth. Yeah, if you think about it, like, yeah, Edwin's Rail's dad, but really she hasn't known him for very long. Like, it's been, like, a week. And the pace of this, like, friendship and, like, comfort level to be able to hug him, I think is super quick, which is different for Scylla, because all the other attachments we've seen, her form developed over a very long time. Like, if you think about, like, Willa, she's known Willa for a long time prior to when, like, we see them interact. And Anacostia, too, like... They've known each other for a while, but Edwin, Tiffany, and Quinn, by extension, are all very different types of friendships that were formed very quickly, and Scylla acts very different around them very quickly. And I think this is showing that, like, she has actually changed as a person, and she's able to open her up to people in general. Like, she's being vulnerable without hesitation, and it's I think it's just so significant and hopeful to where, like, Scylla in the future, like, going forward, can actually be capable of making real friendships with people because she's never really had that. And I really, like, adore that character development for her and the way it was paced so well throughout the entire show. And it's so, like, it's such a natural progression for her from going to being this, like, little isolated girl on the run to, like, this person who's more independent and, like, independent adult and who's now somebody who's capable of actually making friendships instead of just being, like, the lone wolf. I love I love the way that was designed and executed with her character. 
Um, and also pay attention to the body language a lot because at the beginning, Scylla had a very uh, closed type of body language or um, avoidant body language is the better word mm -hmm. to have. Yeah. And now she's a lot more open. Um, like if you watch Amalia, she, her actions and everything are a lot more open in how she's facing people. Her hands aren't in her pockets as much. She's not, doesn't have her hands behind her back all like. So there's that separation is disappearing and you see it not, not only in the writing, but in the physical acting part. Oh, that is such an excellent point. Yeah. Good on you, Amalia, for using your body language like that. You're right. It, yes. There is a progression in just the body language. It's not just like, because I feel like with Scylla, it's like, she's more of the silent type that just, you can see where she's at by how she, her body language, like you said, and her actions too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, her body language is more open but her actions too indicate she's more open like that's why i think it's so significant that she's the one that hugs edwin it's not the other way around exactly you know it's indicating like that's where she's at mentally because she's able to do this action without she didn't think about it she was just like you're hurt mm -hmm. i'm hurt let's hug i'm gonna hug you basically yeah. it's awesome they had a mutual point of pain not totally. only with rael but with willa yeah. so yeah so oh, man yeah scylla scylla like you, you don't see Edwin talk about Willa that often or ever, really. <sighs> yeah. And let's not go there. But yes, correct. Yes. Him bringing Willa up and comparing, par like com having a parallel situation of his, his relationship with Willa and Scylla's relationship with Rael. Like he's obviously getting to know Scylla and seeing the similarities in their situations and then also you've got like if you the last scene where they're together in the diner he's reaching out to her yes as far as offering her you know saying without any judgment and that's also how Raelle got Scylla she never she didn't ask any like the questions she asked were super reasonable and even when Scylla was like, I can't go to that emotional place. Rael was like, okay, we're going to do this together. I accept you. We're in this and you take your time, basically. And you can see that she gets that from Edwin because... Yes. Oh, that's, <laughs> I never noticed that before, but you are absolutely 1 million percent correct. That is the ultimate parallel. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rael gets her wooing skills from her dad for sure. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that's how Edwin got a uh, got Mama Collar. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Mama Collar's feisty. I want the prequels with those two because that should have been that would have been interesting. Right? But yeah, I agree. Yeah, he it's, totally. It's yeah. uh, the lack of judgment and the open acceptance without question. That's a key point. Thank you for bringing that up. That's awesome. Of course. Because so he's good. just like, I don't, he's like, I know you got yourself some kind of trouble. I don't need to know about it. All I see are your actions now are positive and, you know, you're in my daughter's life. You obviously mean a lot to her. So you're welcome in my life. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's Scylla has never had that since no. her parents died. Yeah, never. 
And that's what I mean. That's like the collar impact mm, on like where she is, is now. That's 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 a big one. The collar impact. Yeah, because like Willa that. too. Like I mean, they found mm-hmm. their mutual acceptance in the van scene, and like mm-hmm. here's you're right, and that Edwin too kind of completes that. It's the collar acceptance for Scylla. Yep. Before we yeah, leave, the- I mean, okay, oh, sorry. I was just gonna Good. say that it, it's obvious. Edwin's not dumb. He knows that Scylla's the girl that Rail. Look at her. Just look at her when she talks about Rail. Yeah. It's obvious. Scylla, <laughs> so, and that's why another reason why he's so um, open and and all that is because he knows how he could see obviously how much Scylla feels for Rail. Yes. And Rail never would have sent Scylla right. to his house <laughs> right. if she right. wasn't ready for a new haul. Uh-huh. He's like, uh, <laughs> hi, daughter. Damn lesbian Jesus that I raised. <laughs> Hydrate that's yourselves. all I have to say about that. So you continue. Uh, I just want to bring up, lastly, the final frame in this scene during the Edwin and Scylla hug. So we get this very big wide shot of them in the barn. I wanted to note the lighting in the scene because the entire entire frame, excluding the barn, is bathed in blue light. So that's like Scylla's color. But inside the barn is yellow, which is Rail's light. And this light is what's bathing all the people, including Scylla and Edwin. So I think this is more confirmation of what we've been talking about, how it highlights that this entire scene was really made possible by Rael. And Rael's love is what changed Scylla and is the reason Scylla is even in this barn in the first place, like we just went off about. So I, I love that that is reinforced in the light again, that like Scylla is now in Rael's world, basically, mm-hmm. permanently. She's been accepted. She's been accepted. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I love that that's the light that's like bathing them in this moment, too. It's so wonderful. It is. It makes my heart like all stupidly full and I hate it. (laughs) That's supposed to have feelings. That's beautiful. Thank you, Amanda Tapping. You always have. Yes, thank you. Gorgeous wide shots. This is just one example. Everybody that works on this crew is a freaking is just so wonderful at their jobs yeah totally oh love love it it. (laughs) brain cell (laughs) (laughs) the one brain cell we have is this gonna get worse in season three yeah it's gonna get worse worse. (laughs) this is just a test or a taste everyone this is a taste of the fact that we're gonna there's gonna be so much basically you're gonna you're gonna be screaming and saying the same thing at the same time correct yeah be a wild ah uh, love it yes okay so guys guess what guess what what piece of source oh my god this is brand new information Shocking. <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> so she's a is walking towards the unit with uh all of these witches that have been captured by the witch plague tendrils and a news crew following her. Because, of course, <laughs> Fox News is here. Why wouldn't they Fox be? News is here, and they're really close to her, and I just want to know why they feel like they should be really close to her at this moment. Right? Why the fuck didn't they run the fuck away? I know if that they're s- not witches, but... but <laughs> they don't know how this works. Yeah! Right? Wouldn't you be like, what the fuck is all this black stuff? Let's get the fuck out of here. 
No, they hang around the, and follow her really close. It's so The weird. demon nacho cheese is on the move and we have to get the footage. Right. Fuck our lives. Yeah, it's so weird what they're they're just like casually standing there, like not mm-hmm. disturbed by anything that's happening at all. Tell you know it's Fox News. It's like they're filming a bar fight, not uh, yeah. an apocalypse. Genocides, yeah, exactly. It's so, their behavior is weird. Mm-hmm. But anyway. So one wonders if they might not be, I don't know, plants. clued in. Plants, they're plants, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <sighs> so, Penelope is very confused, has as no she, idea what's going on. As she should be, the poor thing. She's covered in... Evil nacho cheese spaghetti and is basically dying and killing everyone around her, but has no idea. And she when they stop in front of her, she asks Tally why people don't want to talk to her. And my heart breaks because Penelope never deserved any of this. No, Elliot, she didn't. I know why you picked her because it's emotional. It makes me sad. No, she did it. I think Penelope is actually the sacrificial lamb. Like, she was the innocent girl, golden girl, and here we are. That's what makes it so devastating. She was there. She provided an opportunity, and (sighs) that's all there was to it. That's all the Camarilla cared about. But (sighs) So, Rael immediately tries to use the witch bomb again, like, or they're like, hey, right? Go ahead, try to use the witch bomb, and she does, and obviously it's not powerful enough, because we saw in the last balcony scene that it, she couldn't even get it off, the like, a part of it off of this other witch. Right. So Penelope is, like, she has these, like, moments where the witch plague takes over, and the screaming that she's doing is aggressive, yeah, it's like what, um, remember when Kalita was in the infirmary and the witch plague took over her exactly. and just started screaming? Exactly. Yeah, it's the same thing. So angry screaming from the witch plague and then back to Penelope pleading with Tally to help her. Which, knowing Tally and the giant cinnamon roll that she is, is ripping her apart. So Abigail has an idea and thinks that they can end this, but they all have to agree to do it. So basically what she's saying is, hey, we can make this stop, but it's going to kill her. So everybody has to agree before it goes down. Keep in mind that news crew is still there. And so they have Rail use the witch bomb, but keep it contained. I'm not sure, like... I guess to, like, I don't fully understand what she means, but I guess it's to, like, keep the witch plague, like, at, like close to Penelope so it doesn't shoot out at yeah, them in, in defending guess. itself, I guess. Because basically what she's capable of doing right now with the witch plague is, like, making it recede enough, like you said. Mm-hmm. So ma- maybe that's what they mean by contain, like, keep it on Penelope and so it doesn't come out at us. Maybe. Yeah, because you can see the the tendrils of it were so long. Yeah. And going away from her, I guess, like, by keeping the witch plague as small as possible. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's easier to destroy. 
Maybe. This is the first time anyone's ever done this, so maybe exactly. that's what they're, what they're going for. Uh, we'll go but with Abigail that. But Abigail knows what she's doing, apparently. Appar- yeah, so, I know. I love that she apparently just knows everything. It's like, how do we get yeah. Abigail? Sure. How, where, did you, like, think about this? For, like, did you have a secret session with Albin about the witch plague that we don't know about? I don't know. You know what? She's been, honestly, so obsessed with the Camarilla longer than anybody else in this unit. Maybe she has, like, thought through scenarios. I wouldn't put maybe it past she her. Maybe she has. You know? I wouldn't either. Yeah. Tactical battle right uh, battle thinking yes. would make sense like that would be the thing that abigail would use instead of counting sheep to go to sleep at night exactly well said i think that's what it is so yeah abigail uh, basically whips out two tornadoes and braids them together like she's been training to do mm-hmm. and it at the same time rails putting the witch plague on or the witch plague pfft, the witch bomb on Penelope and she goes into the air because tornadoes mm-hmm. and when she's like super high above them Penelope explodes yeah which it's like tornadoes do <laughs> I guess I guess <laughs> no right the only I thing guess. I can figure is that you had the tornadoes rotating themselves totally. and then the tornadoes are twisted and rotating around each other. So right. this, the force of it pulled her apart. I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess that's the idea. Sure. But um, here's my other question. Why didn't all the pieces of Penelope come raining down? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. Where th- right. Where, where, what happened? Where'd she go? Where'd I go? Where'd she go? Is she in the space-time continuum? What happened? Did Abigail create a wormhole? A magical wormhole? Yeah. Is she in the mycelium? Like, what happened? Where'd it go? Did all the pieces just end up, like, in some uh, somebody's barn, on somebody's barn five miles away? I don't understand. <laughs> it ended up on that truck that Win- yeah, <laughs> Quinn exactly. was doing the hail. <laughs> and I was like, Quinn, how did you do that? And she's like, uh... <laughs> I uh, did it. Kind of hail. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is hell, not hail. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. So wherever Penelope went, the pieces of Penelope anyway. R.I.P. Uh, girl, she's dead now. R.I.P. Penelope, and the witch plague source is gone. Yeah. However, it was all captured on film by Fox News, so that's going to go badly for the witches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tucker Carlson's going to be reporting on this in a while, so. Oh, yeah. Revving up the hate. Not our daughters. Yep. Not our daughters. Gross. Yep. Big gross and sadness. You can see the devastation. Um, Rael ending up on her knees on the ground always kills me. But Tally's face when (sighs) Penelope explodes. Devastating. Wounded me deeply. Fucking devastating. So mm-hmm. at this point, I'd like to say a special fuck you to Elliot and his team. <laughs> for Okay, prior to when this episode dropped, he gave us promo pics of the silver unit. And he's like, look at the silver yep. unit. Aren't they cute? And then ripped them all away from us by killing mm. head the, the silver of the silver unit. So fuck you. Penelope was done so dirty. And I think she's in the mycelium right now making a little tally shrine next to Libba's. Yes, she is. Um, not only did he kill Penelope, he blew her into bits, and we don't know where those bits went. That too. Now we have a, a uh, detective mystery for the who the poor detective that has to look into this. We feel for you, ma'am, and yeah. or sir, and or other, because 
who knows what the fuck happened good luck yeah good luck good damn i don't i can't help you there poor penelope but i think this is like she is truly the biblical sacrificial Mm -hmm. lamb is what she is she really is for a lot of things she was like this innocent girl she was the the uh presented as like the future of witchhood so to have her die in this brutal way is really like demoralizing for the witches symbolically speaking and now you know why that goodbye from daddy silver is so fucking awful and creepy and stupid yeah that's why he rightfully won the laura nail award for being a fucking asshat who should be in the trash yep yeah that's why all his crying was so out of proportion because he was an asshole that knew this was going to happen to his daughter and sent fil- people to film it like oh it's just everything about it is gross I hate him a lot. He's gross. But anyway, after that, we get into something happier. (laughs) Elliot's just hitting you with, like, deep sorrow and then happy feels so that you don't turn off the television and run away. So thankfully, after that, we transition to, like, the next day. So, like, the death happened at night. Now it's daytime. And we get this aerial shot of Fort Salem, basically depicting all, like, the devastation and the damage to Fort Salem and all, like, the dead witches being kind of hauled off or the injured as well. We end up on the steps of, like, the entrance, I guess, to Fort Salem, where the coven is reuniting with each other. Emma mentions to Abigail that her mother, Petra, is alive and she's going to be addressing the troops soon. And relief relief washes over Abigail and she thanks Em for telling her that. And then after that cute, my mom's alive moment, more head stuff happens. So Gregorio (laughs) then... Gregorio! Gregorio (laughs) checks in with Tally to make sure she's okay. And Tally replies... Not yet, but I will be. Because, like, Tally is having her first war PTSD moment right now where she had to choose to sacrifice somebody who was, like, pleading for her life, like, that she had a connection with, her little mentee. Tally's being eaten up inside right now. So she's kind of being honest about this. Like, no, but, like, eventually I have to be. So there we are. Behind her, Rael is comforting Tally. Less hat, more happy to my soul. Yeah, she's being a good, like, little unit mate and comforting Tally, Mm -hmm. has, like, her hand on her shoulder. And then Gregorio, like, kind of joins in and, like, it's very sweet. They're trying to, like, comfort Tally. Then more head stuff happens because we have to meet the quota, apparently. (laughs) The quota's not done. I thought we were done, Elliot. What is this? But anyway, (laughs) Adil and Kalita show up. And Abigail has more of a reaction to Adil being alive than her own mother. (laughs) Right! (laughs) Right? Like, priorities, question mark. And they passionately hug and exchange, like, I'm glad you're okay kind of words. And then they remember Kalita exists and is staring at them. And Abigail is like, um, yeah, glad you're alive too, future sis-in-law. Dramatic, you too. (laughs) Please look away. Uh, Dramatic music plays after that, and then we transition into the next scene. Um, listen. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, this. I think it's very sad that we have to have all of this hit to balance out what's going to come later. Does it balance? It doesn't balance. <laughs> no, it doesn't balance. No. That's what I'm saying is that they think that somebody in the world thinks it balances. <laughs> it doesn't. This scene is superior to all the head stuff that has happened in the whole show. So. Yeah. Yes, just the scene alone. Anyway, anyway moving, and there's more. Moving on. <laughs> moving on to the next good scene. So the opposite of head stuff happens. We shoot over to the phone booth, I guess, in Fort Salem, and Rail is on the phone. Her uniform is now open, so Rail is in a vulnerable place. So I wonder who she's going to have a conversation with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's her dad. So she's alleviating his worry on the phone and, like, assuring him she's totally fine, despite what he saw on Fox News, who I'm sure played up the drama. I'm fine. I'm fine. You can hear my voice. We cut over from Fort Salem into the Collar household. Well, Edwin is gushing on the phone. He's so glad his daughter's alive, blah, blah, blah. And Scylla's in the background making herself busy by pretending to do dishes or clean the counter or whatever. She like She's clearly just trying to hang out. There's a out. hole in that counter by the end of this scene. <laughs> she's clearly just trying to hang out and hear this phone call. And she wins her mission yet again. And Edwin, who has eyeballs, notices what's happening. So he steps in as the best wingman ever, and he's like, listen, Ray, there's somebody else here who wants to talk to you, who's, like, breathing down my neck from the sink. And he passes the phone over to Scylla. As the phone exchange is happening, we cut back to Rael, who perks up immediately, because who the fuck else? What is it, Quinn? Who else could possibly be on the other, Mm -hmm. like, about to pick up the receiver? Mm -hmm. And Scylla lunges for the phone. And while they talk, Edwin is in the background actually doing the dishes because he walked over there. He's like, what the fuck was she even doing? (laughs) He's like, these dishes have to get done, Scylla. There's a hole in my counter now. There's a a chore wheel you weren't following. So he actually does the dishes. Good on him. Because Scylla, Scylla was not doing them. And Rail gets on the phone with Scylla and her voice softens like immediately, like immediately when she hears Scylla. And both of them throughout this whole conversation are, like, super emotional and, like, very relieved to hear each other's voice, which is totally understandable. And I think this is, like, the most vulnerable they've ever been talking to each other, maybe ever, or at least in a very long while. Because, like, they're both just, like, there's no bullshit here at all. Like, at all. It's very just honest what they're saying to each other. Like, the whole conversation. Rail asks Scylla, like, starts this off by just being like, well, how is my dad actually doing? And I think it's kind of like doublespeak for like, how are you also? How's my dad, quote unquote, doing? Scylla's response is, of course, applicable to herself and Edwin, because this, this conversation is like doublespeak that they're having right, having right now. And she says he'll be better now that he knows you're all right. And she, like, cuts the bullshit and clarifies the doublespeak, saying we both will be. Meaning, like, putting being like, listen, I was fucking worried about you, too, in case you were wondering. Now you know. And Rail, like, goes on and tells Scylla, you know, things here are, I know, you probably saw the news, things here are just as bad as they seem. And I think this is just the beginning of things. Things are about to get worse for all of us. So versus, like, trying to comfort her dad and be like, it's fine, it wasn't that bad. And with Scylla, she's completely honest. And she's like, it's horrible. This is a living nightmare. Like, it's going to get worse, just so you know. To which Scylla responds, I wish I was there with you. There is no hesitation to the sentence. She just like blurts this out. And to me, this is this is Scylla's like actual like declaration of love, like saying it without saying it, because think about what she just offered. She just offered to be at Fort Salem, a place she hates. 
with the army, who she also hates, during an attack with the Camarilla, a group of people she hates more than the army, just to be with Rael so Rael wouldn't have to go through this nightmare by herself. Like, that's love, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, if anyone ever in a million years doubted these two, seriously, seriously. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's that's Scylla saying I love you without saying it. Mm-hmm. And I think Rael, like, or at least expressing how much I love you that I would be willing to do this, like, without hesitation. And I think Rael gets all of that because she pivots the conversation and tells Scylla her own truth, that while things were at their worst during this big battle with the Camarilla, she just kept thinking about how she might never see Scylla again. And to Rael, that was a far worse reality than the actual battle she was fighting for her life. And Scylla is melting into the receiver, <laughs> or like in her feelings, <laughs> because I don't think ever in a million years she expected this to happen, like no, to go she this didn't way. Not. Yeah, exactly. But it's Rael. She's you hauling. It's Rael. Come on, girl. And then Rael tells Scylla, I love you. Like she actually says it. And why? Why does, Scylla- why does Rael say this? Because think about it, at this point, they haven't really talked through all of the, you know, the bad juju that went down between them. They haven't talked through all the betrayal. They kind of got into it at the spree house, but they didn't. And I think why Rael is saying this now and why she brings up the example of like, when things were bad, I thought about how it could end and I would never see you again. I think this is Carpe Diem Riel, because back in season one, during the dance at Charvel's wedding, Riel held back from telling Scylla she loved her. And that's something Taylor expresses. And she says that Riel really regretted that really hard, especially while Scylla was gone. Like, that was her big regret, that I never said it when I had the chance. And now here's another situation where one of them could have died. Like, Riel could have died. And I think... In that moment, she's like, wow, I could, here is another situation where I could have died and and I wasn't honest with you. So I think despite all the stuff that is unresolved between them, Rael doesn't want to die without being honest about her feelings. So here she is, like, taking that opportunity and saying, like, whatever happens, just know that I love you. It's kind of like what Scylla said. She's like, whatever happens next, just know that I love you. Like, Rael's like, things are about to get worse. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I need you to know this before one of us dies. And I think that's, that's huge growth for Rael. Like, you know, so they're they're both like growing and maturing in how they handle relationships and each other. And it's awesome. It's very awesome. Like we don't get this in other depictions of queer relationships TV on TV. Especially or, not in a okay. huh? go ahead. No, go ahead. Especially not in, you know, on mainstream networks. Or we get them. And then somebody, like Laura Neal, decides to fuck you over in the last three minutes and say, that was all garbage. And you get the barrier gaze trope. That is one or the other. It's either you never get it or you get it and then it's ripped away from you two minutes later. Yeah. So thank you, Elliot, for not doing that. And I and this is why I think like their separation and all the stuff they just went through this season was so important because this is what it was all for. Like they were able to process and deal with things. And now they're able to actually communicate with each other and build a foundation that's more solid between the two of them, regardless of all the external forces and regardless of the fact that they have things to work on, which is real life. Like they have things to talk through. They have things to work on together. But at the end of the day, Rael's like, listen, I love you. You just at least at the very least, I need you to know that. 
So I love it. She was ready to say it. She was. Again. Again. And Scylla was ready to hear it and super relieved because Rayo's love really is the one thing she mourned more than anything. And so she reciprocates this immediately and tells Rayo she loves her back because that is her truth. And she's probably wanted to say it the whole time, but it's just like, you have to make the first move. It can't come from me. I hurt you worse this time. So finally, she's like, great, I can be completely honest with you. I don't have to hold anything back. I think she's really relieved about that. And but the way her voice breaks. Her voice breaks, she gets teary-eyed, and then Rael hears this and nuzzles into the phone. Which <laughs> <laughs> This is the gayest conversation ever! <laughs> it is, and their body language and everything makes it so much gayer. Like, thanks, guys. <laughs> exactly! And this is another instance where I was having a cardiac arrest, while watching this, because the feels were so overwhelming, and uh, Isadora was like, God, again? I'm such a charge in your ass. <laughs> exactly. And this time, they're happy. Why are you dying? Because they're so happy and they're so gay. Yeah, my cold, <laughs> tiny lesbian heart couldn't take it. It's too cute. Exactly. Yeah. It's too much for our cold, dead hearts, Isadora. Yeah. Isadora gets that. She's survived the dead hearts. But yeah, like this, yeah. Se- this uh, honestly, this this scene right here, this is what it's all been for. This is what it's all mm-hmm. been building towards is this, their ability to communicate with each other honestly without holding anything at all back. That's where they needed to get and they can work on their shit from here. That's what this is. Yes. So. This isn't a every then do not do not take it the wrong way. This is not a everything's cool, like, we're all right. we're going to be happy puppies and daffodils from here on out. The, this is a relationship and they're in the middle of a war. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. This That's why I love it. Because it's not, it's not like, hey, we resolved everything. They're getting a Disney ending right after this. It's like, no. It's like, this is just a major step forward for them to, mm-hmm. like, create their Disney ending because they have a lot of shit to work through still. But like, yes, yeah, exactly. So if they're not in a beautiful, wonderful Disneyland ever after in the next season, this is why this was just a stepping stone to get them there. But they have things to work on. Yes. Yes. I think that's important to acknowledge. (sighs) The scene made me so happy. Yeah, it was a cute scene. This is one of the ones I rewatched like a million times because I couldn't believe we were Me here too. either. I was like, why are we here? How do we get here? How, why? What? Oh, the phone nuzzle. It's so cute. The phone nuzzle. They both like, Asilla, like literally when you said lunging for the phone, I was like, that's the perfect description of what happened. Yeah. Because she was freaking waiting back there to spring on that phone. like <laughs> Yeah, she. we didn't hear the dish crash, but she threw that dish. She was like, fuck this dish. Yeah, and literally she lunged. <laughs> like, anyone give me that. Give me that phone. Yeah, she it's lunges miracle. for the door. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. miracle she didn't break it, but... <laughs> that's her line. That's like the only connection she had to, to Rael. Like, like, in hearing her voice, can you imagine? Yeah, because, ah. yeah, no, I think that's why the two of them, the minute they hear each other's voice, they, like, relax. Because, relax. like, it's one thing to, like, know they're okay. It's another thing to hear the voice and be like, oh, you are actually okay. And your body just, like, reacts to that. Like, oh, fuck. It's like the weight is lifted and it's like, this is real. I think for both that was mutual that was happening between the two of them, oh, which yeah. made it powerful. Because if you go back to season one when Rael comes out of the infirmary after the porter crap, mm-hmm. 
and Scylla's hanging out under the tree. She's like, is like seriously, con- was seriously concerned. Like, okay, you're okay. I can touch you. You're real. You're like not yeah. dead. Dead. You're like, so, ugh. so she, she needed to hear that. Yeah. They both did. Like rail also oh, too. Absolutely. was like, Oh God, you're okay. Look, not that she was in a battle, but it's just like, okay. Okay. You're well, alive too. Just, yeah. Know? But it's like the thing, like, knowing Scylla's actually there you right. hear her voice so yes. you know like it's a, it's an actual uh it's real instead you know of just you know what it is it's literally it, it, but not not exactly but it's the soldier coming home from war that's what it is mm-hmm. and like seeing yeah. their family hearing their family like that's what it is yeah it's, yeah she's like oh yeah you're you're okay like you're the thing I was fighting for to get back to mm-hmm yeah that's what it is. Mission accomplished. Uh, yes, I actually will talk to you again. This is that wasn't like we're all good. Yay! It's like we can move forward. Let's mm-hmm. let's be honest. I'm being honest. Let's be honest and move forward from this. No, no more let's lies. Be real. Let's be honest. Yes. All right. So from all the fields with Edwin and Scylla and the fabulous relationship that they're forming we get to go to depresso land yeah where magda and isadora are trying to figure out why alder is still holding on and i'm like it's because she's become a tree so (laughs) she is wooden at the moment yes um there are many jokes that i'm not going to make because correct the the inner child in me is fighting but be brave be strong be brave be strong i will not do it fight to the last breath brie (laughs) damn these infantile jokes about wood i'm sorry i said it it's not my fault it looks like a fucking tree yeah it's someone's fault we don't know (laughs) yeah seriously damn freaking groot uh Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'll just trying to tell tell them something, and Isidore leans down, and the CGI is very evident when the closer you get, mm-hmm. <laughs> or as I should say, the tree GI. Yes. <laughs> Why am I like this? Anyway, again, so she says to Isidore that she wants Rael and her unit, and she wants to be taken to the mother. Which means that she's wants to go to the mushroom. So that's what you do if you're a 350-year-old witch. You turn into a tree and you go into the mushroom. That you created. <clears throat> that you created with yeah. your grief. Yes. Yeah. So Anacostia is bawling again, and I'm not crying. You are. We're all crying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am crying. I can <laughs> She nods, and then basically we cut to where they're at the mushroom wall, and Anacostia cannot find the words to say goodbye to her mother. We're getting serious again. She doesn't, she said, she's expressing that she doesn't know how to do this without Alder, but Alder's like, no, no, you can do this. Like, you've got the, you've got everything you need. And then Anacostia kisses Groot on the forehead as the unit arrives. Yeah, I love that Alder's giving her, like, the mother-daughter talk, basically, Mm -hmm. you know. 
Like, it'll be okay. As much as she can yeah. with her wooden lips. Yeah. I want to know what's going on with her vocal cords at this point. Is she wooden inside? I have so many questions about all of this. So many but questions. But yeah, because like, yeah, can she not speak because she's basically dying? Or is it like her anatomy? She can't speak because it's becoming a like wood, like you said. I don't know. That's a good question. I never thought about that. I don't know. Elliot, yeah. you wrote this, Elliot. What the hell? Yeah, seriously. I have so many questions about this. Yes. We Why? Need, this is how? What? <laughs> this is the, the ultimate questions that we Where? need answers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. This. But anyway. <sighs> so the Deep unit's sigh. the unit's gonna say goodbye each in their turn. And Abigail starts and says that she spent her whole life looking up to Alder, but don't worry. You know, basically, we have all the tools we need, and we're going to be just as hard on my mom. Don't worry. I love that line. She's not going to get off easy. And I'm like, that's something I would say, so go, Abigail. I think all they really liked hearing that. <laughs> I think so, too. Honestly, yeah. Um, because I, I do think Petra needs to be reminded from time to time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just like Abigail. <laughs> She's exactly. her mother's daughter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Precisely. Yeah. So, um, Rail, Rail's turn is next, and she tells Alder how she learned to face her darkness and basically use it, like not not to be afraid of the darkness within herself, but to use it and to embrace herself. And without that teaching, the night before would have gone differently because that's how she's harnessing the mycelium power. Yeah. <laughs> After that, we have Tally, who's the most significant goodbye yes. on a personal level. Yes, agreed. So Tally starts off as typical Tally and says that you told me to follow the truth no matter where, where it led. And she may not understand some of the choices that Alder made, but she's beginning to understand the burden of those choices. And she doesn't understand how Alder carried that all this time, but Alder can set it down. And the witches base, she's saying, and we as the other witches will carry it from there. So sad. So sad. But it's true. Like, and I think there's a lot of stuff happening here with Tally coming to this realization because I think the killing of Penelope is like her new burden. And Jess said it in the After the Storm. She's like, Tally's going to have to carry that forever. Like, that changes you. Killing a, deciding mm -hmm. to kill an innocent witch. Um, but I think for the bigger picture kind of thing is that everyone's been like, after Alder this whole time and like, wow, I can't believe she did X, Y, Z. But I don't think anybody ever could really put themselves in her shoes. Like 300 plus years of just like making these kinds of decisions. That's a lot of burden. And Alder, to her credit, was such a strong human being that she was able to carry that by herself. Who the fuck is capable of that? Like, 
that's who Alder is. Like, she really is, like, the strongest person in the world, truly, for carrying that emotional weight forever and only on her own shoulders. Like, she never put it on her generals. She never put it on her troops. Like, she carried the burden alone, and that's really sad and must have been so hard for Alder. And so to have Tally, who's somebody who was connected to Alder, who maybe could have felt some of those burdens when she was a biddy, to voice that out loud and finally come to that conclusion, I think is huge. And I think that this speech gives Alder the most peace, truly. Because I think Alder was always worried about handing over the reins, not because she didn't think like Petra was capable, but it's more like, I don't want you to have my burdens on you. Like I, I, I should spare you and witchhood all of that. It's my burden to carry. But this is Tally being like, no, we're stronger than you think. Like we can, we can carry this as a group and we can go on. Like it'll be okay. It's okay to let go kind of thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. exactly. And I I do think that Alder needed to hear that. And yeah, she did, really. Tally needed to say it. And I think Tally saying this goodbye helps both of them. So yeah, no, process totally. it. I mean, we don't know if it's goodbye forever. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. But in this moment, it's like... <sighs> so many feels because Tally and Alder, Tally and Nicta, like they, there's so much, so many parallels, similarities. And I really like that Tally said that she may not understand the choices that Alder made. Agreed. Yes. Because I think that's been the big focus is like, I don't understand why she does what she does. So yeah, to have her come to that conclusion is so huge. She's like, it doesn't matter. You did what you thought was... Because she'll get... We'll get to this later when she talks to Nick in the jail. But like, it comes down mm-hmm. to like, you thought what you were doing was right and you acted accordingly. Leave it at that. Exactly. Yeah, uh, that's huge. That's maturity for Tally. It is. And I also love that they didn't just make it simple and have Tally forget all of the bad stuff that happened, they have her acknowledge it to Alder. Yes. Yes. Because isn't that just like the crux of being human? It's like we want to paint these pictures that, you know, our heroes are flawless and they're just good and nothing else. But like heroes are people. People are not just one thing. They are good and bad. They're an amalgamation of their choices and things mm-hmm. they thought were right that may be perceived as bad or harmful to others or may cause the direct harm of others like Alder was forced to do as a military leader. But it's not about, you know, demonizing Alder for her choices. It's about accepting that she's a human who made choices and we are where we are. You thought you were doing, you know, actions in the best of interest of all of us and just... We'll leave it at that. And you carried the burden of the, you know, the consequences of the choices on your back for decades or centuries, rather, you know, and that piece couldn't have been, none of this, it's Tally saying like, we are where we are, you did what you did. And none of that could have been easy for you. It's acknowledging that it was difficult, regardless of like, mm-hmm. whether Tally agreed with it or not. That's not the point. The point is what you did was difficult and you shouldered the burden of all of that alone. That's, that's exactly. the big picture. Yeah. And it's it's really important that they kept everyone in character for these goodbyes 
And they did a really good job, obviously, because it's Elliot and those details came from him. And I mean, these characters came from him. Yeah. And and Lynn said in the after the storm, this was the last scene of the season. This one. Yikes. Imagine saying goodbye. <sighs> yeah. Right. Like, oh, my God. It's like one of the most like heightened emotion scenes. And it's like a actual goodbye scene as their mm-hmm. goodbye scene for the season. Like, yeah. So this is a high emotion scene for sure. Everyone was crying on set. You know, it's correct. True. Yeah. Elliot said that we were all crying in between takes like everybody, not just the actors. Yeah. Alder says thank you. And then Rael sings, starts singing to the mycelium. And that's what activates it, I guess. And they all pick Alder up. The reason why she's singing Alder's grief song. That's what she's singing. I did not register that. Me neither. I picked it up this time. That's what she's singing. She's singing the grief song that Willa showed her in the mycelium dream. That's why it activates. Oh my god. That's amazing. Yeah. Ah, All the details. Mm -hmm. So they pick Alder up like... Do they? Or (laughs) she just starts floating. Somehow they pick her up. (laughs) It's wild. It reminded me of light as a feather, stiff as a board. Yes, no, that's totally. What it reminded me of. Totally. If it anyone, is. Uh, you may be, t- all of you, anyone that's like not too young to remember that. Um, but anyway, the mycelium reaches out and takes, like, the tendrils come out and they go around her body and she's taken into the mycelium. And they stand there at the wall. And the unit says goodbye, sister, in mother tongue. And Anacostia follows that up with goodbye, mother, mm. in mother tongue. Hurts. And Tally takes Anacostia's hand, and then they all join hands. <sighs> so beautiful. It was very beautiful and very sad and it's very... so sad. I don't even know what to say. I know. It's very ev- all the feels. It's so many feels. So much grief. I don't. Yeah. I need. I'm gonna have to watch so many like episodes of something with comedy after this. I know, Just, right? Yeah. This one's emotionally draining. This episode in it particular. Is. All right. So after the gang said goodbye to Alder in the saddest way possible, we go to Petra's office. Where she is, the first shot is her looking at the alder decor. And I know she was thinking to herself, like, how much time needs to pass before mm-hmm. it's okay for me mm-hmm. to redecorate this office and exactly. remove all these paintings? Yep. Yep. <laughs> She's like, I gotta wait the socially acceptable amount of time before I get rid of this alder stuff. But uh, while she's plotting that, the office assistant comes in, the person that runs Fort Salem, and she's reporting that they found 80, 81 more victims. Like, so the body toll is, is uh, escalating the more they excavate Fort Salem in the aftermath. After that, Isadora joins in and reports the infirmaries at capacity. <sighs> Petra it takes all that in and is like, okay, um, tell me how many vocal cords were harvested in all this chaos. And Magda in the corner growls, 64. Like she's ready for blood, which good for you. Good mm-hmm. on you, Magda. We love you. Magda gonna be some people with her cane. Yeah, she is. Uh, the general, the um, officers that are in the room are having feelings about all of this. And then Petra asks the million dollar question, how did the Camarilla get on base? 
Like, how did this, how did this, how do we even get here? Because we That's a good have, damn question. It's, it's the million dollar question. She's, because Fort Salem has security and Fort Salem has wards in place, like magical security to prevent this from ever happening. So how the fuck did it happen? Poor Isadora. Start theorizing, or um, essentially like hypothesizing out loud. And she's like, well, you know, the wards were connected to Alder and her health. So like maybe when something, when like you ousted Alder, when she got injured, this started wavering and Petra cuts her off. She's like, listen, I don't need maybes. I need answers. Like I'm the boss. Go back to your lab and lock yourself in there and figure out what the fuck happened. Then come back to me. And then she looks at Anacostia and is like, you, intelligence, you're on this. Go get me stuff. Anacostia agrees. She's like, I will report back. And I'm on this. And she leaves. After Anacostia leaves, Petra starts delegating out tasks to the other officers and asking about the whereabouts of who her officers are. Like, who is left? Who do we have to, like, delegate more things to? And every officer she lists, she's just met with this, like, silence and uncomfortableness in the room. Until Clary pipes in and says, they're all fallen, General. Like, where were what's left? And they all, like, get very somber after that and bow their heads and start to do this little, like, uh, prayer for the fallen, basically. But then they are rudely interrupted by VP Silver. Mm. I call him vice asshole. Yeah. He's awful. He comes in on his dramatics Cut it in. Petra tries to, like, give him condolences about Penelope, but he cuts it and he's like, I, 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 you saw the footage, didn't you? Like, don't even talk to me. And Petra's like, I, footage? What makes you think I had time to watch the television? I'm trying to, like, contain whatever the fuck this is. Like, we were just attacked. This is the largest attack on a military base since the First World War. I was busy doing that because that's my job. Obviously, I haven't seen the television. What the hell are you talking about? VP's like, the camera crews caught everything. They were on base for Penelope's interview. So they had, they were here for reasons. And I guess they just kept filming for reasons. Hours after the interview. <laughs> Did you know the witch plague took my daughter minutes after, after I left? Can you imagine how that makes me, her father, feel? Like his white male tears come out, which I don't care about. And says to Petra, you, meaning Petra slash the army, you were supposed to keep her safe. And the footage shows that she's dead. And it was your daughter that actually did the killing blow with her magic, her spell. Like it's a curse word that he's saying out there. Petra, who didn't see any of the footage, had no fucking idea what the hell happened. She just knew Penelope's one of the dead. She remains calm despite what he's telling her and super diplomatic and says, listen, the army is conducting investigation because that's really the next step. Like this all hell broke loose. People are dead. We have to investigate this. This is a military matter. And he cuts her off again. He's like, this is bigger than that. This is personal to me. It's a criminal matter. My daughter was murdered. I have a warrant for the arrest of your daughter, which what judge was awake to get this, this warrant happen real fast. That's all I'm saying. So they had to wake up a judge and be like, give me this. And he's like, listen, um, they're going to arrest your daughter and her unit for murder. And all they're going to get tried in D.C., the, which is the capital of the U.S. So in his turf is what he's saying. And he storms out of the room. And Petra, after he leaves, loses her composure at that point and starts bark, barks out like, get, get me the president, like his boss. Get me his boss. I have to fix this. Like, this is really fucking bad. What just happened? <sighs> 
the fact that he marched in there, used the word spell, spell. like a freaking teenage. I know. It's gross. Everything about him is gross. <sighs> He's such a gross character. Yeah, guess who wins the Laura Neal Award for this episode also? It's VP Silver! <laughs> no Throw him you. in the trash! <laughs> Good lord. I know, he's disgusting. This, this That entire scene, it's like... It's sad in the beginning, talking about all the officers that are dead, and then all of a sudden, in comes this guy with... Everything he's saying that is abs like it's one of those moments where you just want to scream at the television because you know the truth about his motives and what he's done. Yep. Ah, I hate it. He's despicable. I hate it here. I hate it here. Uh, well, he's uh he's getting to work real quick on all this, but we're going to go back to the common room at War College, where M is addressing the coven and starts by saying that they all saw the unit take the life of an innocent young witch. And it was not an easy call to make, but it was the right call to make because they saved thousands of lives. And we're all here breathing because you three... Because of you three. And then everyone in the room stomps. All the other witches stomp. And M continues their speech saying it took bravery, clear thinking in the face of oblivion, sense of duty and honor, and that they're proud to serve in this army alongside the unit. Thank God somebody is giving them the appreciation that they deserve for saving everyone's ass. Um in that moment so huge props to him i think not not only am saying it which is great i think that the rallying of the rest of them Mm -hmm. in the room is important i think what this is trying to show us is that the witches know the truth they know what actually happened exactly they were there so while the camaria and vp silver are going to try and spin this as murder and spin it for their agenda the witches know the truth so i think that's another thing that's going to just in season three will help unite mm-hmm. the witches as it will further unite them i think that's what this is also trying to show us the scene exactly so nobody it's giving you the sides like yes. who's who's going to be on which side of all of this yes. in general generally yes. speaking we'll say tally is not over any of this, obviously, because who would be? But also she's Tally yeah. and is a cinnamon roll. And she says she looked me right in the eye. She was so scared. And she begged me in that last moment. But Abigail kind of leans over and says, hey, we this we saved lives. We had to do this. This was the horrible choice we had to make. But it was the right, basically reinforcing what M said and, and trying to comfort Tally, even though, you know, you can't be really comforted in that moment. Yeah. But at least there's support there. Like everyone is supporting them. I think, too, Abigail is also trying to, like, basically tell Deal Tally. Deal with it herself. Yeah, because Tally's 
doing what Alder did, right? Where she's like, I'm taking mm-hmm. on the burden all myself. And Abigail's like, no, remember, this was a group decision. It wasn't just you. Yep. Don't take this on all the burden on yourself, basically. I know that you and Penelope were closer than Penelope and anyone else on. Yeah. On the at the fort at Fort Salem. But this isn't all you. Yeah. Like, this we we're a unit. We're all taking this on. And you didn't make that choice alone. So, hey. Yeah, exactly. All of You're that. not alone. You're not alone. But yeah, she had the connection, so it hurts her the deepest. And also, she's an empath, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, gosh, watching that, I can't even imagine. I know. But, okay. um, unfortunately, the positive vibes are not going to persist for long because an aide comes in and remands the unit into custody custody with a good old silver behind her gross for the murder of penelope and m steps right in their path and was like no sir not gonna happen and the aide tells them to step aside and Tally stands up and apologizes to Silver. I get it, Tally, but do not apologize to that no, man. Fuck him. He needs to apologize all fuck you. Fuck him. And his daughter. He, yeah. It's like the reason you had to make that decision is because of him and the Camarilla. <sighs> yeah. I hate it here. I hate it here. Throw <sighs> in the trash. I want to just hug the crap out of Tally right now, but Petra walks in and then Silver leaves. Petra tells him to stand down and that's when they do actually step aside. Then Petra assures Abigail that this is all going to be over before you know it. I don't think you know that for sure. And you know you don't know that for sure, Petra. This is like above. This has not happened before. This is new territory. Everything that's happening is new. And despite you trying to assure everyone, I you can see that Petra is also lost in the sauce. Yeah, I think she's trying to comfort herself, too. She's like, it's going to be fine. It's exactly. Gonna be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine, Petra. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Everyone. Meanwhile, she's that, she's that meme of the dog in a burning room. <laughs> yes. No, that is Petra. 100%. Trying to convince herself it's going to be fine. <laughs> yep. So the unit's getting arrested, and <laughs> while that's going down, we're gonna cut to some more hat stuff. Uh, more hat stuff. Um, <laughs> Gotta meet Dakota. <laughs> thankfully, there's no like call. There's no callback to the actual like no. hat stuff that was about to go down between these two. But Sterling comes to Anacostia's office to say goodbye uh, and to say maybe we can try that again sometime. But she's like, listen, come over here. I got to show you something. <laughs> it's business time. <laughs> it's business. This is businesses. And she shows him the log from all of the gates at Fort Salem and that two other additional TV crews were signed in through other gates using Sterling's signature. He's, he's like, cops. He's like, yeah, I signed one in and I led them to Penelope's room because, you know, civilians get lost on base. So that was it. That's all I did. And when, and he says, those aren't my signatures. Like these two, not me. These are different. These are not me. And she looks at him for a second and considers. And then she says, I believe you. 
I'm like, but why do you, I mean. Do you though? <laughs> but really? Really? Uh, I wouldn't believe him. I wouldn't have believed him just like that. I need more information. Yeah, in the last episode, he was saying, oh, Silver's a good guy. Yeah. I don't believe this man. Uh, Even if those weren't his signatures, he may have known about it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Anacostia, do you really believe him because y'all are about to get down and dirty? Or do you just, are you just saying that? Please tell me that it's the latter. Or she's like, okay, but you seem to trust me for some reason. Maybe I can use you in the future. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I hope it's that one. Me too. Also, I think it's, side note, I think it's super fucked up that Silver is like, let's, I'm down with the witch genocide, but my bodyguard's a witch. It's the hypocrisy. I hate it's, it. It's so Republican. Sorry. It is. But like, also, he's like a male witch. Because really, I think this is a lot of misogyny is playing into why they really hate the witches. Mm-hmm. This group of men hate the women. But he's like, I'll take a male witch. That's fine. Over a female witch. Barf. Barf. Or a non-binary witch. Right. Barf. Double barf. 95,000 barf. Yeah. This scene gets a zero out of ten. <laughs> did he take it? Did he? No, thank you. Take it back. Take it back. I hate it. Good on Anacostia, like, uh, doing her intelligence work. Real yeah, quick. Five, five points to Anacostia for that. I didn't need... Just Could they have just, like, told us about this? I didn't want to see it. Yeah, cool. I didn't need to see this. She could have just been in all, in uh, Alder's room. And Petra's office been like, look, look at the things. It was sterling. <laughs> That's all we needed. Can we can we do that or have more gay, please? Yeah, I didn't need men in this scene. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> but anyway, here we are. Good on you, Anacostia. Was there any more to this scene? I don't think so. No, there's not. That's pretty much it. Okay, from here, we move over to the dungeon, where the unit has been arrested, and they're in the cell with Nicta. Because that's a recipe for fantasticness. A scene I will enjoy immensely. And the scene, and and the unit is rightfully freaking out about their situation. (laughs) Especially Rael. Rael's like, "Uh, somebody tell me this is going to be okay. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I need a hug. And yeah, she's super. I need need to talk on the phone. (laughs) Right. She's been revoked of her phone call because that's not how this works. And she's super confused about why they have to go to D.C. for this trial. Like, why can't we do it here? This is a military matter. And Abigail clarifies it's not a trial we're going to. Basically, they're going to take us there and formally charge us. Like, that's the process. Have faith. My mom's got this. She's going to D.C. right now. Besides, the truth is on our side. And they're going to, they're, they'll see that in the footage. And I think part of Abigail is, like, trying to be the leader here to keep Rael and Tally calm as well as herself. Then the camera pans to Nekta. And she's up at the jail wall, like, I don't know, ladies. Sounds to me <laughs> like the Pitchfork Brigade is assembling. Burn, witch, burn. And she keeps repeating that over and over again until Abigail is like, shut the fuck up, Nicta. But Nicta keeps going because she's Nicta. And she's like, soon the angry mobs are going to be out in the streets patrolling, rounding up witches and anyone else who's different. Rail snaps at this and says, can you just not be you right now? Like, can, can you, you not? Can you lighten up? <laughs> can you not? And Tally 
agrees Nikta's right. Because Nikta is right. This is the stuff human beings do all the fucking time. Like, violence and genocide against anyone who's labeled different. Like, this to them, they're like, this is the Salem witch trial about to happen all over again. And truthfully, this, I think, there's a lot of social commentary in this particular episode, including this, because this is the shit that's happening in America and the world right now, where, you know, there's legislations being passed, othering gay people and going after marginalized groups left and right. It's the same thing. This is the conservatives in power trying to snuff out anybody who's different. And that's what Nick is saying. She's like, they're just going to use this as an excuse to come after us like they did during the Salem witch trials. <sighs> I hate it here even more. Yeah, this is dumb. Ugh. I don't like it. I don't like it. Nikta continues, though. She's like, listen, pitchforks are going to come out. The civilian government's going to execute me. That's this. Here we are. I'm going to get that martyr's death. I always knew it was coming for me, which will rally the spree. Unfortunately, though, the three of you will not be so lucky. And I'm sorry for you. It's going to be bad. Because they're about to get scapegoated is what she's alluding to. Exactly. They're scapegoats for this bullshit. Yeah, they're the scapegoats. That's why they were, quote unquote, arrested for murder during an attack on a military base, which is ridiculous. Uh, and then there's a really rude commercial break. And when we come back <laughs> to the jail, Abigail and Rail, I guess, calm down enough to pass out. So they're asleep. And Tally and Nick are awake. And then we get part two of meaningful conversations between Tally and Nick in jail. But this time, they're on the same side of the jail wall. Oops. So literally, the two of them are on the same side. So this is symbolic. Mm-hmm. And and alludes to what's about to go down in this conversation and the two of them. In this scene, Tally is restless and just pacing back and forth while Nikta is chilling on the bench just watching Nikta, watching Tally do this. And she says, Wild times, huh, Red? This, this is all crazy, isn't it? And Tally slumps down into the adjacent bench and sighs and is like, is there any chance you could just stop calling me Red? Like, why do you keep saying this to me? <laughs> you weirdo. And Nikta shakes her head like, no, girl, this is me peak flirting. So I don't know what to tell you. This is just going to keep happening. You're no fun, Tally. After teasing Tally, the two of them relax a little. Like, they were breaking the ice between the two of them. And Nikta's emotional guard falls down. So she's much more comfortable around Tally, which is growth. And she gets extremely candid in this moment and confides in Tally, which this mirrors what went down in the last jail scene between the two of them when they opened up to each other. But this one is more honest, like immediately. In this in this scene, Nikta admits that she keeps thinking about what Albin said to her, how he thanked her and told her she showed humanity the true nature of the witch. And this spree, by extension, made the Camarilla's job much easier And she says, as much as I'm loathe to agree with that genocidal piece of shit, yes, queen, he had a point. So this is Nikta. Remember in the last scene between the two of them in the jail cell, Tally came to Nikta because Tally felt like she personally failed in her mission to bring out the truth and change the world. And she admits that basically to Nikta. In this scene, it's Nikta admitting her personal failure to Tally. Tally. 
So this is huge for Nikta. And also just devastating to have to come to terms with this reality. Because it's just like, she's just like, wow, like, every, like my last 30 years were for nothing in a way is what she's kind of has to own up to. Like it, nothing happened the way I meant for it to happen. And I think it's so huge for her to vocalize this out loud to somebody. So it indicates that there is a real, real actual trust between her and Tally, or at least Nikta perceives that, which Tally did save her life after all. So I think this is very huge for the two of them as characters and how I think they're going to like have each other's back going forward. Absolutely. After admitting that, Tally assures Nikta, the crux of this whole episode, which is you did what you believed is right. Which is Tally just putting things into perspective and painting the bigger picture. And this is kind of like what happened with Alder. So she's putting all the pieces together for everybody. Like everyone out here was just doing what they believed was right. Nekta, Alder, herself included with the unit when they killed Penelope. But the sad truth is belief can allow those with opposing views to twist the truth to fit the narrative of what they believe in. Belief is fickle and can manipulate the truth, which is what the Camarilla is about to do with them. That's what Nikta's getting at. And she vocalizes out loud to Tally, plain and simple. And now the Camarilla is going to turn you into monsters for what you believed in. Just watch. Mm -hmm. They're going to scapegoat them is what she's saying. And Nikta would know better than anybody because this is her whole story. Like she just got her truth twisted by the Camarilla to make this all worse. And now here's Tally walking down Nikta's path, like in the eyes of the civilian. Like they're about, their stories are very similar. I think part of Tally gets that and she takes this a step further and vocalizes Nikta's new fear, which is that we all just helped the Camry out. We just furthered that anti-witch agenda by acting out our beliefs and we played a part in something awful. Now Alder's gone, we're rotting in a jail cell and they won. We all lost. They won. So Tally's getting like really like can't see the positive in any of this right now. She's just beating herself up and just like we're doomed. We're fucked. Nikta tries to console her a little bit and says the battle's not over red. But even this little pet name Tally hates doesn't like evoke a reaction. Like Tally's too far gone in her feels right now and she's pacing again and just word vomiting all her fears and she's like the truth is finally out none of it matters like i was trying to change things and made them worse like i did change things but i made everything so much worse like and jess kind of says this in after the storm that like tally's basically like well if i had never done this like we wouldn't be here and she's having all this regret for her own actions and what she did and i'm glad nikta's there because nikta's the one who really puts things into perspective for tally and says listen it wasn't all for nothing like, Alder had to go. It was time. And you know that. But Tally, again, just can't see the good in anything right now. And she just says, if you say so. And then it ends. Tragic. Yeah. It's just like, you know, that's the reality of just like this whole situation and how even when you're in the right, if enough people believe you were wrong... That becomes the new truth. And that's kind of what's about to happen to these witches. Camaria, the president, or VP Silver, they're going to paint this picture that they were wrong, even though there's like, there's footage that shows we were right. But if they can frame the narrative that what they were doing was wrong, and enough people believe it, that becomes the new truth. 
So, I and think that's, that's why our history books are wrong. Correct. <laughs> and that's why history books are written by people who have biases and perspectives. And mm-hmm. I think that Tally, the poor Tally, is being traumatized and coming to terms with all of this. And the fact that she played a part in something awful, I think, hurts Tally, too. Yes. It's very awful. Everyone's going to see them not as people or humans at the... At their very core, they're just going to see them as these monsters, like Nick just said, and we need to get rid of the monsters. So, yeah, the true here we monster. go again. Yeah, here we go again. History repeating itself. Correct. This is the New Age Salem witch trial era is basically mm-hmm. what she's saying. Yeah. So, remember when Petra was asking for the president? Well, she, she just freaking goes to D.C. And... As soon as she walks into the not oval office. I couldn't stop fixating on that because when you mentioned it, I was like, this isn't even a close replica. No, it's It's so small. What is this room? It's a closet. It is. It's so weird. Yeah, I couldn't stop. I couldn't. I had to like rewind the scene to pay attention because I was just fixated on like, what is this room? So you were in my brain. Thanks. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm not. not sorry because every time I see any, like, this scene, I can't help it. Yeah. Like, why are you in this broom closet, Wade? I know, right? <laughs> so Wade says that Petra brought the storm with her because we hear thunder outside. And we sure do. We sure as heck do because Petra's here and... <laughs> She starts off by trying to be diplomatic and saying that she understands Silver's grief, but uh, hello, the unit saved the day. And so many people would have died without their actions. But Wade is just like, oh, yeah, save the day by murdering a girl. Hi, that's not what happened. And you're on the freaking fox news train right now and i'm not happy about it kelly what happened yeah i love how like there's like 80 plus witches that died that nobody cares about and they're not framing they're not framing penelope as a witch they're like a girl Uh a girl she's not a witch exactly yeah it's such bullshit because she like she's she's always been a witch guys just because she was not out as a witch that whole time doesn't mean she's not good god i know yeah i know it's ridiculous this is typical washington dc bullshit correct slash human bullshit correct so petra argues that penelope was the source of the contagion and thousands would have perished but wade is not going to hear this and is just like well we just need to understand what happened Mm mm-hmm what happened was on the tape. Hi. Your interpretation of what happened is bullshit. Uh-huh. Which is when the tape comes up because we're watching Fox News, or at least a little portion of that whole mm-hmm. footage. Because Kelly needs to prove her point. But really, all this does... F- for anyone watching this show is tell you that she's halfway up the freaking Camarilla tree and buying into everything for her own sake. Maybe I don't 
think that Kelly really has the hatred for the witches that the Camarilla and the vice president and all these folks do, but she's just trying to navigate her way out of a political. Yeah. I think for her, it's more personal and political because like Alder's been fucking with her. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like a power struggle with Kelly. It I don't is. think I don't think she's part of the Camry, and I don't think she. I, I think she's just using this as a way to like regain power over the witches. She is to be like, I'm the president. I'm the boss. I'm the president. I'm the boss. We're going to do this on civilian terms. Right. Exactly. You're not running this investigation. Right. Which I mean, it kind of, in a way, if you think about, if you want to think about it from a very pragmatic slash objective thing, like Petra running an investigation, which she wouldn't be personally running it, but you know, the, 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 um, the visual of this being like her daughter was the one that was involved would be like a, no, this is a conflict of interest, but here we are. This is not what's going on. That's not why Wade is upset about this. Uh, it's because all the things that Alder did to her and the fact that she's in a shitty position as far as needing to regain her power and everyone seeing her as weak. Right. Because the witches are doing this on her watch. So basically, she shows Petra the video and cuts off Petra's just to cut off Petra's appeal that she needs to handle this in in houses and like the army needs to handle this. And then afterwards, she goes on to talk about how not our daughters are going to use Penelope's death as a symbol. They're growing exponentially. The public needs to see that the army. No witches are held accountable for their actions. Yeah. And this is the damage that the spree caused. Yes. Truly, because it was witches not controlling witches. So I think Wade's like, we're past that. We need to control you now. We, the civilians. Yes. So we need to exert the power of the civilian government and the civilian people over you witches because you guys have gotten to this point. You freaking puppeted me. It's clear, like, that you can't handle this shit. Uh, (sighs) Craziness. It's now clear to me and everyone else that the unit's about to be a scapegoat to pacify the masses. Yep. So there's thunder in the background that keeps happening. And then Wade accuses Petra of making the storm worse every time she says something that Petra doesn't like. Yes. Um, Petra tries one more time by saying, I'm urging you to reconsider. And then Wade makes a mistake, in my opinion. Because she says, with what? Stormman Fury? Shaking her hands like it's like little jazz hands or something. And I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah, Wade is over the witches. <laughs> Wade's over the witches, but you don't make fun of the witches like that to the head mm-hmm. witch in charge. Because that's not a good idea. Um, Petra gets really, her voice gets really low and really serious and this is petra done trying to placate she's done with wade's bullshit and she says you'll know when the storm is one of mine yeah bitch (laughs) exactly and then wade uh is like there's been this huge outcry and demand for justice but petra's done talking she's not having she's not gonna try anymore it's obvious that this is a lost cause 
And then Wade says, I will see that they're treated fairly. And yeah, the fuck right. <laughs> oh, she says that like, mm-hmm, I'll make sure they're treated fairly. Like by my standards. Yeah. Like they're going to die is what she's saying. This is a death sentence. Yeah, they're going to be fucking executed. They're on death row. That's what basically that is saying. Yeah, it's going to be fair for me, President Wade. So Petra does not have anything to say back to that. And, and argument wise, all she says is, thank you for your time, Madam President. And then leaves. Right, she she just makes like a alder and leaves. Yeah. That's a tree joke for anybody. She does a witch mic drop. It gets the fuck out of there. She does. And on her way to the helicopter, she far speeches Anacostia. Because that's the only word I can find to yeah. really describe it. And says, move. So they had a, pl- a backup, a, a plan B in place. And then we go, we switch the scene to Anacostia, who picks up the phone, Call who was on standby. She picks up the phone and who answers? Pop a collar. Pop a collar. <laughs> I love it. And then Anacostia's like, uh, hi, I'm a friend of Rails. <laughs> Can I talk to Scylla? Or Scylla. Hi, I'm Rails bestie. Where's her girlfriend? <laughs> um, Rail and I braided each other's hair last night. <laughs> is she quote unquote doing dishes in the background? I'm sure she is. Uh, oh, yes. yes. I don't know. Can, can I talk to Scylla, please? Yeah, right. Can I talk to Scylla? <laughs> it's like the kid who calls. Uh, to play with their friend and they're like hi uh-huh. hi papa can i talk to your daughter <laughs> so we can play um, can silly come out and play can silly come out and play yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> i love that so much that she's like anacostia is immediately calling her bestie <laughs> that was the energy because she wasn't say. she wasn't being like commanding officer she was like hey yeah hey, edwin um rails friend so, can i talk to silly Nothing suspicious. Nothing suspicious. We all go to the mall together. Yeah. This isn't weird. This is normal. Like, I know Scylla doesn't really like to go to the mall, but... She wants to go to the mall. Trust me, she wants to go to this mall. It's her favorite mall. Yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> I loved it so much. I loved it. But uh, basically, yes. it's like, oh, um, so all of our plans have fallen through. Can Scylla please come save everyone's ass? Thank you. That is literally <laughs> what this is. That's the Hail Mary is Scylla Ramshorn, the only witch in the world as powerful as Alder. She can save her asses. That's what this is. Literally. Once again, Scylla saving everyone's ass. <laughs> and they know it. The fucking general knows it. Yeah, so so pretty much what had happened here was Petra's like, okay, listen, we're going to need a plan B, so what have you got? And Anacostia's like, Scylla Big Witch Scylla Ramshorn. Yeah, <laughs> that's where the big witch energy comes from. Her. Get her. We need her. Yeah, so. I'll call. I'll call. I don't, like, we don't think that, she doesn't know about Morgan's Whisper. Right, Exactly. They're just like we need Scylla. I she I'm sure she could she could do it. We need Scylla. That's what it is. We need Scylla. Scylla. The only person that can save this is Scylla, Big Witch Energy Ramsorn. Correct. So she is correct. Well done, Arnie. This it. is a plan that makes sense. <laughs> I love it. I just have one last thing to say about the Wade Petra thing. Mm-hmm. Real quick before we move on. Another thing I think is important to take away from that whole exchange between the two of them and the way it ends 
is that I think it's highlighting the bigger picture here in this society in that witches are powerful. Like they are, they are the ones with the actual power. They can do the magic. They have the actual power. But their power has its limits being imposed on them by society. Because in all reality, Petra could just puppet Wade and have her like sign some shit that's like, Abigail's exonerated forever. Or she could kill Wade. Or she could wage her own war because she has the fucking army in the name of justice for her daughter, but she can't. All she can do in this moment is hear the president essentially, essentially vocalize that her daughter's death sentence and she just has to sit there and take it because this is the societal structure the civilians always wanted it's like yeah i mean originally they wanted to get rid of the witches then they're like okay you can be useful to us but the minute you're not useful anymore we're going to exert our power over you and keep you guys in a cage and this is kind of the bigger picture that, like Scylla was always talking about and like nicta is really trying to say it's like they're keeping us in cages like metaphorically and like clipping our magical wings so that we're not a threat to them. So it, it highlights that like the witches, even the most powerful ones have limits in this society and it sucks. It does. Uh, it's, they've always, it's always been this way since Alder made that deal. Yeah. Even that deal is absolutely unfair to the witches. Everything yes. about that whole situation. And that's what Nexus has been saying for how many years now? Yeah. Yeah. She went about it in not the best way, but no. what there wasn't much else. Like, what was she going to do? Right. <laughs> what was she going to do? I, I mean, because I, I assume with witches, it's like their only function in this society is forced military service. So, like, they exactly. can't, they can't, the way to actually change this in America is to change the laws. Since witches can only be military people, they can't be politicians. So at the end of the day, they are at the mercy of non-witches creating the laws that dictate everybody's lives. And they have no say in how that goes. They're truly enslaved by this. So, like, in order to get this change, they'd have to rally enough sympathy to, like, change the law. But that takes mm -hmm. fucking forever, and that would take way too long. And Dicta was young at the time. She's like, fuck it, let's just blow it up and be revolutionaries. And that obviously didn't work. So it's like, they're trapped in this horrible situation. And, like, the way revolutions happen, hence the name of this episode, is violently when they don't can't don't happen peacefully which is not the norm so things like civil rights movements rarely are they peaceful it's the it's abnormal when they're peaceful usually the masses get pissed off enough and then wage a war and in the aftermath of the violence that's when the change happens so like that's mm -hmm. where this is now headed basically hence the title of this episode yep Ugh. everything you just said there resounding yep a big ol' yep. Yep or yepers. So while Wade and Petra are breaking up their friendship. <laughs> short-lived. Yeah, they're short-lived. They are now frenemies officially. But the friend part is gone. Mm -hmm. In Fort Salem, we're back in Kalita's room. And she's sitting on her desk, staring at the soot stain on the floor where she moltenized that creepy dude. And she's lost in thought because, like, keep in mind, like, this was her first kill ever. So she has some PTSD and things to work through. While she's doing that, uh, Adil is at the, 
is fixing the doorknob because I guess they broke some stuff and he's like fixing things. I think he's trying to keep himself busy because he's worried about Abigail. And Kalita being Kalita knows that. And so she asks, are you worried about Abigail? Now, Adil's in the position to try and convince himself everything's fine. And he like, he vocalizes things out loud. Like, you know, her mom is powerful. It's a formality. Like, it'll be fine. But like, he's trying to convince himself it's going to be fine. And he's like, um, but Kalita, why are you so worried about this? Uh, are you starting to like Abigail? Like, who the fuck are you? What is happening? And Kalita like agrees by not saying anything at all. And they have this very cute like moment. He's like, oh, you like my girlfriend. Thanks. Um, that means a yeah, lot. She's like, don't look at the... Don't look behind you. Yeah, no, don't look at my, um, the wall. It's just, just let's fix the doorknob. <laughs> and he thanks her, uh, for saving his life. Uh, so, like, bringing up the elephant in the room. And Kalita explains why she did that. Because I think she was, like, reflecting on her actions, because that's what she does. And essentially says, like, something broke in me when I saw that you were about to die. And whatever it was that broke will not go back together again. Like, basically saying, I've been changed by this. This changed me forever. And Adil, I think, gets, empathizes and gets how hard this is for her because he went through it himself when, like, he saved Abigail. Like, the same thing happened to him. And he says, defending yourself and your loved ones isn't a crime, Kalita. It's not a crime. Even though we were raised in an environment where that was, like, the worst possible thing you could do, he's like, there's worse things in life than defending yourself and the people you love. But to Kalita, I think this, her first kill is, is more than just defending her brother. And she says, I saw the hate in his eyes. And it's the kind of hate that never stops. Which is basically the Camarilla motto. So I think she, being Kalita, saw the bigger picture here. Like, these people are not just, like, killing us. Like, they vehemently hate us. And, like, I think she gets, like, they're not going to stop until we're all dead. I think she finally saw the bigger picture of all of this versus just like sticking to her morals or her uh, traditions or whatever. After that realization, she finally apologizes to Adil for judging him and not empathizing with him. And I think why is because I think she couldn't see things from his point of view until she was in his position and about to lose the person she loved and says, well, now that I've gone through this and I see the true hatred and the true evil, I want to fight instead of running and hiding. And this is humanizing Kalita, who is like this oracle goddess kind of figure. Now she's being brought down to human level. And I think this is more social commentary because I think some a big issue we have as a species is that we have a hard time empathizing and, and truly empathizing. Not tolerating people but actually empathizing and seeing things from the opposing point of view i think for most people they can't do it until they are in the position themselves like kalita was so she's like adil how dare you kill people but then when she's in the position where she had to defend her brother she did it and was like i get it now because i lived through it it's kind of like the stuff with like homophobic people where they're like fuck gay people but then when it's their kid or somebody they know they're like okay i guess they're humans i get it now like it's they can't see it until they're in the position and i think that's what this is really trying to like get at here um and after this reconciliation moment between the two of them mama Kasi comes in and she's like hey earth movers um we gotta go abigail's in danger and they leave <laughs> 
you guys can move the earth right. Let's go. Um, we need your help. Because I called in the big gun. <laughs> uh, Scylla Ramshorn is on her way. We got to go and back her up. <laughs> yep. Scylla, big witch energy Ramshorn waits for no one. We got to go. Yeah, I don't care who uh, the fuck you are. Let's go. Let's go. We got to go. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're on to the big scene. It's the big one, guys. It's the big scene. It's the Great the- Escape. Yes, that's what I titled it. The Great Escape. It, it is. is. And all I can think about is that motorcycle going over. Okay, that's also a movie that probably no one but me has seen. Oh, I think and of you. the song. What is it? Uh, Boys Like Girls, The Great Escape song. I don't even away. know what that is. It's a good song. Uh, find it if you want early 2000s nostalgia. Okay. I'll have to find that. I it's think applicable. you went early 2000s and my brain goes back to the 60s. I know. <laughs> what is time, everyone? What is time? Yeah. Oh, with um, <laughs> the actual prison break. Yeah, or, the prison or, break. I'm sorry. The, it was the, the, wasn't it Al- Alcatraz it was, escape? Al- yeah. Well, no. No, it I know was nothing. Prisoners of War. There it is. Okay. Escaping from a camp. Gotcha. So it's applicable. It anyway, anyway, World War Two. Let's move on. So the prison bus is just moving along down the road, looking as institutional as possible. And Abigail, Nicta, and Tally are on board, not having a good time, not no. singing "99 Bottles." <laughs> Seriously. When we get a shot of a Dylan Kalita in the freaking bushes to the side of the road. And they do their thing and open up the earth in front of the bus, which swerves and stops to avoid going into the giant crevasse that has been created. And then we see crows start to descend towards the bus. And we get a shot of Abigail seeing that the earth is opened up in front of the bus. And she knows that Adele's here to rescue her. Yep. Rael... Gets a witch text. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she knows who's here to rescue her. <laughs> witch texting is back, so we know Scylla is in the house. I mean, we knew when the crows came down, but no now, <laughs> but now Rael knows, and so when she when the S appears on her hand, she tells everyone to duck or screams at everyone to duck. Yes. So the crows start to fly around the bus and the windows break and that lets all the sound in from the crows squawking and cawing. And then the guards get up and unlock the shackles on all the witches. And then the witches in turn start to take the silencing collars off of one another. The guards in the meantime leave the bus and walk away like zombies. And do. Because who the fuck knows what? <laughs> because Scylla. So because Scylla. <laughs> she's like, you go in those woods and have fun navigating. Yeah, go sit in a circle and kumbaya or something. Yeah. Uh, Adil and Kalita come out of the woods from the side of the road, and uh, Adil automatically goes to Abigail. And then Quinn and Scylla get out of Quinn's truck and run towards the bus. So you've got re like they're all being reunited. Abigail, so Abigail and Adil over there. We've got Rayla hugging, and then Quinn and Tally hug. Nikta in the meantime <laughs> needs a hug. <laughs> Nikta doesn't get hugged. 
No. <laughs> Nick, Nick goes else. to the front of the bus, finds a spree lighter. <laughs> she does. In like the little console area of the prison bus. I mean, was it a, a spree lighter or is it just a lighter that was there from one of the guards? Who knows? Who knows? It's convenient. It is. However, she gets off the bus, looks super awkward. <sighs> she does. But hot. It's super hot. With that hand in her pocket that's and that what lighter in the other. Nekta. Yep, that's what it is. Confidently getting off of buses is my sexuality. <laughs> Just there you there. go. Arlen does not agree with me, and that's fine. We we disagree here. <laughs> Maybe don't be so confident then. However, I and do think Arlen appreciated that you appreciated. So there was that. She just she basically is like, um, in this moment, Nikta is just like, what the fuck do I even do here? And she's like scared, but like is projecting all this confidence to like cover up the fact that she doesn't know what the fuck's going on and she doesn't know what to do. So it's the projection of confidence. That makes this delicious. But she is being super awkward about it, which is, I just, who does It's very love gay. That? It's honestly. So, it's the gayest. I love her so much. She does weird stuff in this scene too, but this, this, this moment. Yeah. This is what Isadora is it. me back. Yes. Anyway, thank you, Arlen slash Big Da. So this is, this is basically what we've come to that they really had to balance out with all the het in this episode. They did. Because we're about to get a class in how to flirt one-on-one one, one on one with Silla Ramsorn. <laughs> and how to forget that there are other people around you when there are other yes, people around you. <laughs> exactly. So Scylla's Crow's witch text rail from the sky. <laughs> listen, she's the gayest. She's the gayest. She couldn't just be like, listen, I saved your life. Also, like, look, I, sky, I invented sky riding with crows. Like... Sella, <laughs> she can't just she's so extra she's always the most extra person ever i love you're a queen ma'am may we all bow down to your sapphic skills you're setting the bar high yes we are bowing no one can see this but that's what we're doing you have now surpassed lesbian jesus she, no like for real this is the gayest this was so unnecessary and it was just like i'm showing off for you yeah it's the best go Sella. Oh my god. She's holding no, cuz cuz she's holding nothing back now. The minute Rail yeah. said I love you, she's like all bets are off. It's I'm on. It's, it's on. on. All of it. Here's all the flirting. It all of it. Here it is. This look at all the stuff I can do. I don't have to hide anymore. Yes. I, love I it. will skywrite your initials. Yeah. No, like I I'm pretty sure say will you marry me in crows. I'm pretty sure well we'll get there eventually. <laughs> right. But like I'm pretty sure we cut away but like the crows are spelling the rest of her name in cursive we just don't see it. Yes, <laughs> like she's so exactly. ex- The birds are like are we done yet? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I'm They're tired. not even looking. <laughs> the bus is moving. Anyway, yeah. sorry. I love how extra and unnecessary it's that was. It's so extra. It's great. It's the gayest. Go, Scylla. You're a fucking but queen. It's not only that, it's the way Amalia plays the scene. Yeah, I know. She's so smug as fuck. Smug as fuck. Like, yeah, you like that girl? I, I yeah, could girl. do it. There's so many other things I can do. You haven't seen it yet. Tip of the iceberg. Yeah. It's so good. I love exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. I love it so much. That's probably my favorite line is the way she delivered that. Mm, you like, like that? that? <laughs> yes, we all like that. 
Yes, marry me. Also, teach Nikta how to flirt properly. You guys should hang yeah. out. <laughs> She's failing hard. Yeah, you guys need to have... She needs to take your class, Scylla. Seriously, she's like, stop calling Tally red all the time. Just do something. Invent magic for her. <laughs> Don't use your words. You're bad at it. You're really good at inventing magic, Nikta. Get on it. Yeah, get on my level. You can do this, too. This could be you. Which anyway. texting? Hi, I did that. Hey. <laughs> Exactly. So that's what we get that line. So Rail's just like, you just keep getting better. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. No, she's gotten better at many things, Rail. Yeah, many iceberg. things. Just wait. You guys have been apart for a while. Exactly. Exactly. Be... Anyway. Whew, yes. Um, it got hot in here. Yeah, yeah hot in here. Scylla's like, you like that. And that's what we're talking about. Yes. All of this, like, like oh, Woo, that confidence. Yes. So yes. Rael thanks Scylla for saving her life again. Nobody else does, but Rael. Thank you, Rael. Yes. Um, Scylla tells the truth again and says, well, it's the least I could do. Yeah, once again, being like, yes, I saved the day and I saved your life. Humble as fuck. Like, she was confident three seconds ago about the bird texting in the sky. But then it's like, you saved my life, which is way more impressive than bird texting. And she's like, you know, whatever. It was nothing. Stella! Exactly. <laughs> nothing. It's cool. I got you, boo. She has, her priorities are straight. Well, Yes, you know, they are. Nothing is straight here. But, like, she has them in a row. <laughs> so it's being the gayest that. right now. It's so great. All that. Good God, girl. Um, this is why the scene is amazing. It is so amazing. It's so amazing. Uh, so Rael says she's just laying it out there too. All yeah. right, you're gonna you're gonna witch text me in the sky. I'm just gonna tell you how it is. I don't want to be apart from you anymore. Ultimate U-Haul. I'm ultimate U-Haul. Ultimate right U-Haul. Ultimate U-Haul. And Scylla says, "Me either." like ever which Ugh. is the most teenage thing she's ever said that's so cute <laughs> it's adorable it's so cute good for you Scylla and then they get the most real gay kiss that I've seen in a hot damn while correct I Thank love that's guys. such a good kiss it's, it's so good however the first time I watched this there's this part where the camera pans and Nick does in the background, like watching them. Okay, I had I laughed I so hard. I was like, I know. "What is she doing?" And Nick is hilarious. She's just awkwardly watching them. Like she's like, "What the fuck is up with these two? Every time I see them, they're making out like the world is ending. Like who are these people? Like like it's just so funny. She's just creepily watching them. Like why does this keep happening? Like why do I keep ending up three feet away from you guys making out?" <laughs> It's so funny. She's like, God, this is a gay. She's jealous because she, she doesn't get to She's make I gotta get me a girlfriend. What, what's Tally doing? Why yeah. is she hugging that other Who's this other woman? Quinn, who the fuck are who's you? This, who's this lady? No. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're so right, though. Like, she's just right back. She's pulling There's, a, you know yeah. what she's doing? What? She's pulling a porter. <laughs> okay. But it's less creepy when it's Nick. Nick didn't want to so be there. much less creepy. She's like, I'm trapped and I'm, you guys are always making out in front of yeah. me. Why does this keep happening to me? What did I do wrong? I think she ships it hard, honestly. She does. No, she Let's definitely ships real. it hard. 
She ships him so hard. In the in the wood scene, she was the one who's like, come on, Abigail, let's let them make out. Yeah, let's go. Let's, uh, let's but, go. But she's like in front of my lighter. Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> in front of my lighter. <laughs> but it's so funny. She, if you never notice Nick to doing this, it's hilarious. Go back and watch it just for that. Because it's so yeah, like out of nowhere. Absolutely. And she's like, what? But look at her face. It's hilarious. I love it. Love you, Nick. I've seen this scene so many times that yes. I did notice that. And I love it, too. I love it. But, um, anyway, so best kiss ever. Good job, guys. And then the homophobia starts. Yeah, Quinn. (laughs) She was getting like heated stares from Necta, who's like, if I can't have Tally, no one can have anybody. And Quinn's like, fine, I'll be the adult. (laughs) Fine. Fine. You guys, break it up. (laughs) We need to get like shit done here. You can't be making out in the middle of the road. (laughs) I guess the government's coming after us or whatever. Yeah, like, maybe we need to do something about this. Make out on the bus. (laughs) Maybe you need to make the reunion short and sweet. Fuck you, Quinn. No, Quinn. Let them do whatever they want. And I do love that one of of, uh, our mutual acquaintances edited, took took a picture of that scene and edited Quinn out of it. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. (laughs) There you go, guys. I fixed it. Thank you for your service, editors of the world. Uh, So then some government issue weather that Quinn points out starts happening and surrounds all of them and the bus. Because guess what? The government's coming to get them. That was fast. And then... Exactly. Where the fuck did they come from? Where the fuck were they? The the zombie guards are off in the middle of the damn woods by now. Yeah. What the fuck? They came from the... How did they know? Okay, wait. They came from, like, the opposite direction, too, of the... It's like, where where were they? I don't know. It's so weird. Is there some kind of, like, GPS tracking on the bus, and they're like, oh, it stopped. We gotta go check it out. Oh, shit, it stopped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe. Whatever. Super weird. Anyway. Moving on. Who should descend from the sky but Petra and Anacostia? And the moment that's about to happen is one that I really love. I think it's probably my favorite Petra moment ever. So good. Period. So Petra and Abigail hug and Abigail says that she's scared. And Petra is like, me too, girl. (laughs) Yeah, she gets so real. (laughs) She gets so real with Abigail for the first time. Yes. And Abigail's like, I'm sorry, what did you say? And Petra says, I'm scared shitless. (laughs) What have I done, daughter? So she needs a pep talk and Abigail's going to step up to the plate. Yeah, totally. Because she says, your moment came and you seized it with both hands. Elliot, you're writing. It's so good. And Petra goes on to say, and the world fell apart. And Abigail counters that with all the better to remake it in our image. Boom. Somebody needs, Boom. To, give, someone needs to give Tally this pep talk, Nicta. Somebody go talk to Tally. <laughs> Nicta. Nicta. <laughs> say this part of like, hey, we could remake the world. You're being held hostage yeah. with all these awkward people. Can you not like hear overhear this and then go have a conversation yeah but oh my god like what a powerful conversation this is like it's the like you said first time ever petra's humanized Mm -hmm. honestly and it's just admitting like hey i know i'm in charge but like i don't know what to do either 
which is so real because like in times of like unprecedented situations like oftentimes we think our leaders know what the fuck they're doing they don't know what the fuck they're doing most of the time they have to act like they know what they're doing and so like for her to admit this to abigail it's like finally they're equals you know I feel like you exactly yeah it's been building to this and we kind of saw like glimpses of it of Petra like acknowledging okay Abigail if you want to go after the Camarilla sure like but this is them on equal footing finally it's so huge I feel like that has never happened really with the Bellwethers because there's always this like hierarchy within that family Mm -hmm. like with the generations and like probably like the branches of that family kind of thing but like to have a mother and daughter on equal footing I'm sure that's never happened ever so this is so huge absolutely because they're in a new situation the situation has not happened before yeah. and they're this is petrus being vulnerable and admitting i'm making this up while as i go um i don't know what i'm doing i may have made a mistake but this is and abigail's going it's okay because we're gonna we're gonna take this moment and make it our own yeah. And we're going to get through this. Basically, it's their role reversal a little bit, yeah. but also them being equals. Yes. It's so great. It, they're evolving. It's yes. Awesome. And I hope that Abigail continues to evolve yes. in season three God by acknowledging that Scylla, Big Witch Energy Ramshorn has saved everyone's lives multiple times. Yes. When we get on the bus, can we get on there and be like, round of applause, everyone, to Scylla, Big Witch Energy Ramshorn. We'd all be fucking dead if it wasn't for her ass multiple times saving us. Scylla, <laughs> do you want to drive the bus as an honor? And she's like, no, like, mm-hmm. fuck you. I'm sitting I on Rails lap. Me alone. <laughs> yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. fucking tired. I have snuggling to do. <laughs> yeah. You drive the bus, Abigail. Uh, anyway. Quinn can drive. We're going to make out in the back. And Tally's like, and Nick does like, I'm going to sit in the back away from all of you. Because why am I here? You guys are all creeps. Why am I here? No. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Obviously, in my mind, Nick just sits in the very front seat opposite the driver because everyone else is in the back because they're the cool uh, kids. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she just has conversations with Quinn the yeah. entire like, Who the fuck are you? Who are you? Tell me stuff. Who are you? Who are you? Tell me why who are you, you here? Let's. And then they get, they become friends. Yeah. So that's how Quinn and Nick to become friends. Nick needs a friend. And so does Quinn. Because Quinn's like, why the fuck am I here? Mm-hmm. How did I get, yeah, what do you like, mean I'm a refugee? <laughs> These kids. Quinn, Quinn didn't sign up for this. Let's keep all no. this in mind. <laughs> anyway. These crazy kids. <laughs> I, you know so, what? Wait. Okay. So I'm sorry. I've always, this episode's gonna be long as fuck. Sorry, buddy. But anyway, I just thought of something. So why is Quinn here? Because Anacostia called Scylla. So I assume they had a conversation. And Scylla's like, God, I need backup. And then she goes to Quinn and she's like, hey, Quinn, I'm going to teach you that Morgan's Whisper thing. And Quinn's like, yeah, I want to learn. Not knowing that they were going to go on this mission and Quinn was going to become a refugee. Like, <laughs> she had no idea this is where this is headed. She's like, God damn it, I left the stove on. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Scylla. <laughs> I had some stew going. Right. She's like, yeah, I think I gotta make some calls. Yeah. So poor Quay got bamboozled into whatever this is. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I need a ride. So. Yeah. In the bus, she's like, so Quinn, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so they don't talk for a while because Quinn's bad. She's like, I'm gonna make friends with yeah. Nick. Leave me alone. Exactly. Anyway, so that's some fan fiction it. about the bus. <laughs> the best part about this is our head cannons. Believe us. Agreed. Like, in the oh there's so the many about this bus but yeah anyway. so many so many we have so many um so basically uh <laughs> we get the next uh discussion is anacostia and scylla 
because they're buddies now that they went on secret missions together. Yes. And Anacostia says to Scylla, quite the militia. So you can tell who the fuck's in charge. Like, mm-hmm. there are two, there are like two people that are, I feel like there's like two people in this group that are going to share like the actual decision making power. And it's the two people who actually know how to be on the run. Yeah. Nicta Scylla and Nicta. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The only two people who know how to survive out in the wild. And maybe. I'm sure. Quinn, Quinn knows to a degree. Yeah, right. Who knows what the fuck her backstory really is? So maybe Quinn. But yeah, yeah. nobody else is going to... Everyone's outside of water, you know? Yeah. So they're all going to have to put up with Abigail trying to exert her oh, will. I know. To It'll some extent. In my mind, this is again headcanon. Oh, you know what? Who anyway. else? The Tareem know how to hide. Just not in yeah. the session specifically, but they know how to yes, hide. Yes, exactly. So we're going to... Unit. Like, <laughs> the unit's the oddballs the, out. The unit. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, huh. Well, fuck. Okay. <laughs> Better than Brielle's jail. gonna do whatever the fuck Scylla says. Literally. Let's She's like, honest. it's whatever my wife tells me to do. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Callie, yeah. listen to Nick then. Abigail, shut up. <laughs> yeah. So, Anacostia and Scylla have their reunion, and Anacostia says, quite the militia, you guys, and then tells her that they need to disappear fast and for quite a while. And Scylla's like, I'm way ahead of you. We're just gonna go west and get lost in the session. And then asks what Anacostia is going to do. To which Anacostia replies that she and Petra are going to go back to base. And then Scylla says, back to the belly of the beast. I worry for the beast. Mm -hmm. So this is Anacostia's pep talk. Yeah, because I mean, like, realistically, I'm sure Petra would love to desert and be with her daughter to make sure her daughter's Mm -hmm. okay. But, like, realistically, somebody has to run the army because... Otherwise, they're about to get fucked by all of this. So mm-hmm. they're making a sacrifice in a way too, you know. They are. So Scylla and Anacostia hug and Anacostia <sighs> says, we'll be in touch. Quarter horn. And then Scylla says, yes, <sighs> ma'am. <sighs> again, but <sighs> affectionately. Affectionate. Like, and this was, this was like totally... An Amalia thing. I know. This is such a genius callback. Thank you for giving us this. It's so fucking good. It's beautiful. It. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And Quarter We love Horn, it here. Quarterhorn forever. Yes. I love them. <sighs> so from that reunion, we go to Tally, who is like, listen, we got to take Nicta with us. And Petra's <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. But Rail's not having it. And she's like, no, we're not handing her over to, to the government. So you can forget that. And then Nicta silences all the <laughs> argument by using her confiscated lighter to change the appearance of the bus from like generic uh-huh. prison bus to seniors. <laughs> oh, I love this. It's a senior citizen party bus. Yeah. Can I just say, Nicta is just the hottest. She's like, while well, you guys are all arguing or whatever, I'm like 10 moves ahead of you. Look at my bus. <laughs> my getaway bus. <laughs> but I have to I have to talk about the details of this fucking bus for like a second. Because it shows you how fucking smart she is. She picks a senior citizen bus with a Florida license plate. Mm-hmm. I love this touch because no one would ever question this bus This bus in florida because it's just seen a bunch of senior citizens and also like if it's there's a, they don't know how to exist in civilianhood like at least three of them so nobody is going to question a group of people being super weird 
if they're from Florida. So thank you, Nicta. This was brilliant <laughs> cover. Like, it's brilliant chameleoning. Thank you. Okay, and I want to see them all burned their faces into old, old like, elderly people. <gasps> then we can get new biddies. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Then we can get some elderly actresses. Do you like I'm the Golden Girls it. Motherland Fort Salem edition? Yes. Nicta, make it happen. <laughs> Please. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. I'm here for that, too. Like, let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) No one would question anything about that. That'd be great. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you're right about the Florida thing, because that's just like, damn. Well, the first time I saw it as somebody who lived in Florida for way too long, I laughed my ass off. I'm like, of course it's a Florida, because all of this is a hot mess. Of course they pick Florida. But like, looking at it further to like the senior citizen party bus from Florida, that checks out. That's a real thing. Yeah, listen, yeah. we've both lived in Florida, and it's awful. to anyone who loves it there, I don't understand it, but no. go off, I guess. But It's only getting worse. But, like, I love that Nickta was like, yeah, let's do this. This is the most plausible for mm-hmm. our insane exactly. getaway. <laughs> I love it. Good details. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> Nickta's going to silence all of that argument by with the busts, and then Anacostia says people can change. And maybe she can keep them safe because Anacostia has taken the brain cell. And Nicta says, Nicta saunters forward. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm, yeah. Saunters forward. She swaggers. Swaggers. And asks if they're going to blame all of this on the spree because that's what they love to do. Oh, wait, before she says that, she calls everyone ladies again. Yeah. And it's really hot every time she does that. She keeps doing it's, it. Keep doing it's it. A, it's so hot. And like, it's for oh me, God. it's like adorably awkward, and I love it. I'm I here for it. it. It's like, hey, ladies. And it's like, yes, please keep saying that. <laughs> yeah. I love her. So um, she's just saying, like, listen, I know you, like, she's trying to, like, foster some kind of conversation that's not awkward and failing. Yes. Because she's just like, you're going to blame the sauna on the spray, aren't you? Just, you know, like you always do. And Betch is like, uh, okay. <laughs> but she's like willing to, she's like, okay, fine. You're awkward as hell. And I just like have one thing to say. Keep them safe with everything you've got. And Nicta says, I'll see what I can do. So they've come to an understanding of sorts through Ah, uh, everything that's happened in this episode. And then we have Abigail and Petra hugging again. Anacostia makes a gap in the swirling storm for them to get out. And then everybody's piling on the bus. And Nikta is standing there waiting for Tally. <laughs> My awkward little flirter. And she thanks Tally for saving her ass a couple of times and the way she's looking up at her through the like the eyelashes. It's like the f- sweet Jesus. Yes. You're- yes. She's charming. That's what I'm saying. She's like the second gayest thing that's happened in this scene. <sighs> yeah, it's rivaling the bird texting. Nicta, come Good on now. Lord. She's getting better. She's getting better. She's getting better. She just still needs lessons. She does. She needs to talk to Scylla. Yeah. She sorry. does. She really mm-hmm. and like have a little convo. Seriously. She, so she thinks Tally for saving her ass a couple of times and uh, tells Tally not to be so glum because <sighs> this is what she wanted. 
<laughs> yeah, this is what you wanted. It is, though. Tally wanted to change the world, and this is how you change the world. Exactly. She it's just not was not prepared for what that entails. Yeah. And Tally's like, chaos, destruction, death, yes. becoming a fugitive. And Nikta answers her, the revolution. Yeah, that's, that's what, what it this is. is. Yeah, that's what it is, girl. The last shall be first and all the good stuff. Here yes. we go. So... I don't understand why Nikta is quoting the Bible, but here we mm-hmm. are. This is Matthew 2016, or an abbreviated version. The full quote and all that stuff is basically, So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. And it's basically saying, like, okay, we were just at rock bottom. The, the, the Camarillo won today. Like, they won. Like you said, in the jail. But it's not over, basically. Those who have, you know, are rock bottom today, well, we're going to keep fighting and we're going to come out on top of all of this. And, like, we've been chosen, essentially, quote unquote, for this revolution that's going to happen. We're playing a part in this. And also we chose to be here and fight for what we believe in. And so, like, basically it's like, don't worry, Tally. Even though today was crap and horrible, we're going to keep fighting and we're going to come out on top. Like you got to believe and like that's what revolution and change is all about. It's not something that happens overnight. There's no switch that's turned and everything's changed. It's a struggle. It's, uh, you know, it takes time. It takes fighting. It takes sacrifice. And it's not all good. But in the end, it'll be worth it because like we, the witches, will be first. Exactly. Love it. Thanks, Nick. 9,000 points. Thanks, Nick. She reads the Bible, apparently. Yeah, I was like, why the fuck is she quoting the Bible? It's really random, but I don't know where. But she had a lot of time. She yeah, had a lot she, of time on She her read hands. many books in her cabin, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm. So everybody gets on the bus. They drive away. Petra and Anacostia send to the helicopter with the help of Salva with the song Freedom by Charles Mingus playing. Good song. Which is a song that came out in 1964 uh, and it's about the civil rights movement and the government's inaction to stop racial prejudice. Yes. And like, it's the, beautiful. It's beautiful. And it's perfect. Cause it is, cause it's not just that this is going to be like, it, it's easy to frame it as like a war because of the language and the fact that it's like army versus like mm-hmm. other group but really this is a social movement is really what it is because of the way Precisely. the witches have been put in this minority category and taken advantage of for dec- like centuries so yeah civil right and that civil rights kind of stuff that's what nikta has was trying to do you know so it's such a fitting song and the and the lyrics are so great because it's basically saying like freedom for me freedom for you my family my friends and that's really the note that this um, fugitive gang and like Anacostia and Petra, that's really what they're ultimately they united for that freedom for us, freedom for the witches. So beautiful song choice. Beautiful song choice. And I love that it's one of his that has the spoken word element to it because I'm a hoe for poetry. (laughs) Yeah, it's really great. If you haven't heard it, go listen to the full song. Like it's- Yeah, listen to the full song. There's an extended version too that came out later. Uh, mm, Love it. Yeah. Wonderful. Perfect. Even if you don't like jazz, listen to it. Yeah, go listen to it. That's your homework in the hiatus. Go listen to the song. Yeah. 
Exactly. Get and like that. actually listen to it and read the lyrics. Yeah, read the lyrics. Agreed. <sighs> Unfortunately, the episode doesn't end <sighs> here. Sorry, I had a little. I know. Because Laura Neal was in the writer's room. And she's like, listen, you can't end it there. This is too gay and happy. Let's crush everyone. So then we get this scene with VP Silver in a jet on the way back to D.C., his government jet. At the expense of the taxpayers. Um, Revoke his budget, first of all. And he's in there. Revoke him, period. Yes, throw him in the trash. And he's watching footage of his daughter prior to her interview from the camera crew's perspective. So we got Penelope's point of view of this scene in the last episode when some dude with Albin's voice was fiddling with her uniform. He pinched her somehow, even though he's fixing a uniform, said whoops, and then left. We get the flip side of this, which was the camera crew apparently filming this. And it's confirmed that this was Albin in a hat who infected her with the witch plague. Shocking. VP Silver looks like hell in this scene, and good, fuck him. You should. And he's basically tormenting himself by, like, watching this over and over and over again. Indicating that on some level he didn't care about his daughter, but fuck him. Albin is on the jet with him, confirming what we've been speculating and already kind of knew, that, like, Albin was cahooting with the vice president of the United States. The Camarilla has successfully infiltrated the United States government and they have the vice president in their pocket. I have to note that Albin is wearing his Camarilla red suit, which is amazing. And Bob loves this outfit. It's stunning. There's that positive because the scene is mostly trash, but good job guys. And in this scene, Albin sits down and they're like sharing whiskey and he tries to refocus Silver's grief on the bigger picture. And he's like, hey, your, your sacrifice was not in vain. Like your sacrifice, not your daughter's sacrifice. You using your daughter as an extension of you and sacrificing her for the Camarilla. It's not going to be in vain. Indicating that they're like, they're definitely in cahoots. And VP Silver says, the dawn will be glorious upon the earth. Here's another Bible quote. This is a modified version of Isaiah 60:20. And the full line says like For behold, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And basically what he's saying by this is like, hey, one small sacrifice for me is like going to lead us to victory. In the end, like, I'll get over it. And Albin agrees. He's like, yes, your sacrifice was for the greater good, which is freeing the world from the stain of witches. That's like the light, according to them. So this is their belief and point of view. And apparently after hearing this, Silver is over his grief and says, well, it had to be done. And Albin says, you'll go down in history as a hero. And Wade, she's the one that's going to take the fall for all of this. She will pay the ultimate price for her collusion with the enemy. Uh How does that sound, Mr. President? And like, yeah, they were setting Wade up to take the fall. Because remember, who's the one that signed the testing centers? That was Wade, not VP Silver. VP Silver's on record being like, I don't agree with this. But Wade's the one that signed that. Wade's the one that made all of 
that made it possible for like Penelope to get recruited. And this tragedy wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for her. So basically, they're manipulating the situation to get rid of the president and put their guy in charge of the country and cause chaos. And the way this dialogue goes, it's like they're in this jet rewriting the history book right here and now. Albin's basically saying, when we win, we the Camarilla, we will tell the story this way. You'll be framed as the hero who made the ultimate sacrifice. You sacrificed your daughter, your flesh and blood for the greater good to rid the world of evil. It's very like biblical and like binary and it's like black and white the way they're going to frame and spin this whole story. And appropriately, eerie string music starts playing at the end of the scene. And we venture back to Fort Salem, deep below the earth, and follow the mycelium hyphae all the way to the center. And there in the center is Alder, becoming less and less tree-like before our eyes. So it appears that the mycelium is healing her, and her eyes open, and boom, it ends. And in the After the Storm, Lynn describes this little scene as Alder's rebirth, and describes this as Alder's becoming complete and like one with nature and is in this state of healing. So this isn't the last we're going to see of Alder. So there's hope, I guess, is the hopeful note that it just ends on. And that's revolution, comma, part one. Thank hell it didn't end on those asshats because I would have been mad. We got Alder (sighs) being healed in the mycelium. I'm here for it. Let's go. Let's get this show on the road yeah love it love it i mean i hate Um, the plane scene but i love all their bit (laughs) yeah listen also they can't drink whiskey because that's alders you can't can't i know fuck you that's her drink i I would have liked it better if their plane crashed but you know that's not what happened i mean me too (laughs) this is the time for freaking mountains to come out of nowhere yeah where's the storm in the sky going after this plane Petra. Hell yeah. I mean, here's your uh, union of earth and sky. So Abigail, make the plane like fly off course right into a mountain that Adil and Kalita make. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. And it could have ended right there. And I'd be like, you know what? Yes. (laughs) You know what? There we go. Okay. I accept that ending. Oh, and all there's back. What a bonus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah, that, and that's, that's, that is the season two finale. So uh, good. So good. So good. And also, I love the the gang being fugitives gives me, there's so many possibilities of this being awesome. I know. And Nicta's going to be around. That makes me so yes. happy. We're going to get a lot of Nicta. So We're going to get a lot Nicta. of, uh, a lot of the gays. We're going to get a lot of, um. Yeah, gangs all together. Some backstory about characters. Yeah, we'll get get to see what Petra's army looks like, which is also Mm -hmm. interesting. And if Alder comes back and comes out of that mycelium, how the fuck is that going to change things? So a lot of exciting stuff and potential for season three. And we're going to have a big episode to talk about all of that. Oh, so, so many things. If there's anything you want us to talk about when it comes to season three, or if you have any theories, hypothesis, anything at all, please send them to the, send them to us. Now is the time to speculate wildly. And yes, we will speculate wildly.
send them on the Twitters, send them on the Discord. If you're in it, if you're not in it, come join us. It's on my Twitter profile. Send it to the Insta, however the fuck you want. I will try to find it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we want to hear it. We want to hear it. Yeah, this is the time. We have, you know, they just wrapped up filming and, you know, we're in we're in the hiatus time where it's getting closer. So now is the time to talk about these things. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to uh, have yeah. some special episodes with that we're excited about. Yes. And then for now... Let's just do a little recap yeah. of the episode. So the base is under attack by the Camarilla. Tally is from Pitch Perfect by giving them the key to getting rid of the Camarilla silencing devices. Uh, Alder gets grooted and the biddies are killed by Witch Plague. These are all facts, but I love it. <laughs> you described like this. Um, yes. We hear about the union of Earth and Sky for the first time. Uh, everyone's confused except for Albin, who's just, you know, keeping the spoilers in his own little head. Uh, dramatic little queen. Petra, uh, Petra lets Nick to fight. Kalita has to kill a man to save her brother, and she finally gets it. Uh, the Dodgers are planning for for war too, so we've got you know the the other militia. We've got yeah. The sapphic vapors go through the phone with Rayla. Sapphic <laughs> vapors are everywhere this episode. It's great. I'm surprised. Uh, why do you think Isadora had to bring us back so many times? Right. <laughs> Isadora was busy. <laughs> the, the unit is arrested by the feds. Petra tries to reason with Kelly, but comes away knowing the unit's going to be the scapegoat, and now everybody's just going to be against the witches. They call in Scylla to rescue everyone, again, <laughs> with the help of Adele and Kalita. Rayla is back. Because Nick, uh, because Scylla saved everyone's ass, yes! as promised. Nikta uh, is going to help protect the fugitives and be very awkwardly gay on the bus. Yes. And road trip! <laughs> road trip with Quinn, who got roped into this. Uh, road trip with Quinn, and then uh, assholes being assholes. Silver's going to be president because they're going to knock Kelly off. And Alder's alive in the mycelium and being healed. Yeah. That's where we're at, basically. Yep. I rate the level of gay in this episode at a 10.5. Yeah, it's so good. It's really good. This was the gayest episode to date. I love it. I just I just don't know. The, the, the third season's going to blow our heads off, I feel like. I hope so. In that regard. Yeah, I'm here for it. Bring it, bring it on, Elliot. That's all I'm saying. Bring it on. We can't handle it, but no. we will do our best. We, we cannot handle it. Isadora's going to be really busy next season. <laughs> off screen. We've... Exactly. We've been starved for how like Ever. for our entire Forever. lives of of this content. Correct. So give give it give it over. We're trusting you. Gay stuff, please. <laughs> We're trusting you with our gay stuff. Yes. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> Alrighty. So the big witch biggest witch energy award. I had so much trouble. 
Who's I still don't know. I still have problems. I mean, we all have problems. But who's the ultimate winner? The unit. The unit? <laughs> pick. Okay, okay, okay. Fair. Um, I yeah, wanted to pick Scylla, but I feel like that's partially my... I mean, I picked Scylla. Because she saved everyone's ass again. <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't want to be the one that's like, okay, Scylla again because she's saving everyone's ass. But no, that that's the answer for me. That's the natural answer, so I've, I'm just going to fucking change it. It's Scylla, Big Witch Energy Rantor. It's Scylla, it is, it is. That's the answer. <laughs> she She saved everyone's ass with homemade magic. The government fucking called her. Like, think about this. The government is like, or like the mil- top military people are like, Scylla, we're fucked. We need you. Get in okay, here, girl. Get in here. Fix this. And then she does. And then is humble as fuck about it and gets the girl in the end. So let us all once again bow down to Queen Scylla Big Witch Energy Ramshorn. We are bowing to you, ma'am. You had like, and the. Yeah, you like that, huh? Come on. Like, she wins. She just wins. Oh! It's Scylla. <laughs> Scylla Ramsar. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. There were many Listen. honorable mentions, including the whole unit and, like, Alder and Nikta and everybody, basically, that everybody. wasn't Albin and VP Silver. Even M for, like, Or Kelly. Sti- yeah, yeah, or Kelly. Kelly. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all of our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. And please subscribe and like all the things. If you happen to be listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review, no matter how brief. This is what Apple uses in their algorithm to uh, help us gain a wider audience. So please, please, please help us out. Yes, and please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you about everything and anything. And if we like it, we'll probably give you a shout out on the air. You can find us at all the things. Twitter at Big Gay Energy Pod. Tumblr, Big Gay Energy Pod. Instagram, Big Gay Energy Pod. Or you can email us at BigGayEnergyPod at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for lesbian Jesus.